Hello, movies, and welcome to Supporting Cars, the show about the undersung heroes of the cinema industry. You may not recognize their names, but you will recognize your work. No! Their work. I got. <laughs> How do you get that wrong every week? I don't get it wrong every week. I get it wrong just enough weeks for it to be worse than getting it I also wrong. love that when, when you first came up with the movies thing, you were like, every single episode, I'm going to come up with a new thing. And it's just been like, well, we're settled on movies. Well, no, I also tried. <laughs> I tried. It's actually perfection. Hello, trolley people. Hello, trolley people was really good. And I almost did hello sugar bumps today, mm. but it <laughs> felt awful every time I tried it at home in the shower. <laughs> you spent how, how long? Did, how long did you spend saying hello sugar bumps to yourself? <laughs> you know how long the movie is after he says hello sugar bumps? I do, I don't that actually. long. <laughs> Joining me as always are my co-hosts Lincoln Vickery, hello, and Charlie Davenport. Hello, sugar bumps. <laughs> Oh, it's really good. Um, This is our first recording that we're doing at night. This is a weird night recording, which feels a little (laughs) sleepy, a little sexy. Perfect. And perfect for what we're doing today. Yes, we are beginning a mini series. Have you ever potted with the devil in the pale moonlight? Potted? Potted. (laughs) Potted. Oh. Yeah, like I thought you were oh. like, you have a- <laughs> It's also so hot in here. I'm already yeah. feeling how <laughs> steamy it it's is. It's our first night session, our first summer session. Oh yeah. I don't, I somehow feel like even though this is our night and our steamy session, it will be less horny than every Hector Elizondo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be less did. horny, but it will be, uh, yeah, the, the Gotham City streets are uh, steaming up. This is our first episode in our third miniseries that we're doing here at Supporting Cast. We have decided to do a little bit, a little bit wacky for us, <laughs> which is uh, we're not doing actors so wild. There's nothing um, wackier we than are the production Jack- design. We're the Jack Napier of podcasters. <laughs> you so, know what we're going to do. So we're doing a very, very successful production designer whose name is Nigel Phelps. Now, interestingly enough, we are starting with a film in which he wasn't actually the production designer on it, but we figured it's kind of fun to go through people's careers and from what he did on this movie, which is really exciting, we'll get into it later, pretty iconic. Yeah, it's it's weirdly kind of actually the thing that he's most known for, even though he was not the kind of lead on this, you know, on this movie, which is cool. For a quick context of what Nigel Phelps did on this movie is he did a lot of the architectural design and sketches for the Gotham of Batman 89. Also, that's a movie we're doing. Do we even mention that? No. No, not yet. Batman 89. (laughs) And he did all the architectural designs and I think the two things people remember most about Batman 89 are probably the character designs and the set designs. And having rewatched that, they do not remember the plot and they do not really remember the tone. No, this is I didn't remember the plot and I watched it two nights ago. You know, I was like, what the hell happened in this movie? This is a plot... It's not a plot light movie, but it is a plot unimportant movie. Yeah. What is important is the vibes. The mm-hmm. vibes are immaculate in this movie. It they are incredible. Vibe. A lot of that is to do with the production design. Anton first is the production designer, and then Tim Tim Burton, obviously his kind of vision, kind of bringing this to life. Mm-hmm. And then Nigel with all these map paintings and like describing and and creating the look of Gotham is like a huge part of like what this movie is. I think more than the Nolan movies, certainly more than the Snyder movies, and even more than Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. This is the most iconic Gotham. I think flat out, I think it is more influential mm, on the comic Joel books. Schumacher. 
So, oh yeah, you said Snyder because that's the uh, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, right. you see Gotham. No, of course, like, this is this is the Gotham. Like yeah. this is the one. This is the most. This is the Gotham that like went on to spawn the Bruce Timm animated universe, which I think for most people produce like defines what Batman and what Gotham is in their mind. At least most people of our generation mm-hmm. with the animated series. Yeah, the animated oh, series. It was. Yeah, a, I guess it yeah. was. A, no, it was fully a sp- um, intended to be a spinoff of the Burton universe. Yeah. yeah. Which then became. Um, its own thing because it wasn't a direct spin-off because the rights got complicated as they always do as soon as you try to turn anything from movie to TV. That's like the Mask of the Phantasm and yes, all of that stuff, Mas- all the Conroy stuff. Yeah, Conroy. All, the, all the Conroy. So that's the original uh, Batman animated series, the Batman Beyond series, the Justice League series, the Justice League Unlimited series, the Batman and Robin, I believe it is, the Adventures of Batman and Robin series that was the one that came after with some redesigns, which then went <laughs> on to inspire things like the Arkham video games, which was very directly inspired by the Gotham that we see in that city, which then uh, the Arkham video games are now inspiring new video games based around the comic, uh, based around it, which is sort of recurring back into the comic books. In okay. Lo- yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's awesome, dude. No, 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 Shamus, that's real. That's actually really important. And thank you for telling us. It is important. Us. I am not. So I'm like, I've got a lot of nerd credentials in my life. You know, it's true. Uh, it's true. Batman and comic books and things like that. I am very much a casual. On. Yeah. So I, so I really do appreciate learning this. I only realized recently that Batman was a detective. Like it took me right, years. Right. Okay. In my head, I was it like, it took you years because <laughs> took you years because you couldn't figure it out, like, <laughs> or it took you years because you just hadn't watched anything. Because- I watched them all. It just took me so long to realize right, that he's on. like a detective. Okay. To be I- fair, like in the Nolan movies, he's not a detective. Yeah. He, he he's not really a detective in these. Yeah. Movies. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm called the detective. In the Nolan movies, he very specifically shoots some walls with a gun and then analyzes the bullets. That's his big detective moment. He shoots some walls with a gun? Is yes. that what happens? Yes, there's a really weird... It's the only time he does any detecting Detecting cool. in the Nolan movies for some reason is where he sh- he gets a, a bullet and then he puts it... <laughs> he gets a bullet that's a copy of a bullet from the assassination attempt on Harvey Dent that he... No, on the mayor, Mayor Calcutti, which he then loads into this weird robot minigun and then perfectly... Re- <sighs> no, 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 we're listening. We're, we're listening and we're recre- so happy for you. <laughs> perfectly recreates <laughs> the firing, like the trajectory and the velocity into the exact same wall and he tests it and he finds the same bullet and then he reverse engineers it. It doesn't, it, it is the most Nolan way of like trying to do any sort of uh, yeah, forensic history. Yeah, it history. sounds like, you know, he's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got a word, five letters. Uh, it'll uh, open some doors that you do like and some doors that you don't. That's not the quote from Tenet. Uh, it <laughs> well, is... As I was saying to you before we started, talking about Batman is an enormous thing to try and tackle in like, it's not like we're covering Batman for 25 episodes. It's just like, we're jumping in and just like, we're going to cover this movie. By the way, Batman's huge and is like this obviously enormous cultural icon that has an enormous history that we can't get into all of. And the way that this movie was created and and the way that it came from, uh, you know, a guy creating a university degree into then becoming a movie um, is like really, really fascinating. And we are not qualified or like, or like interested necessarily in covering the, the totality of Batman. And I'm sure that one day we'll come back and do Batman Returns uh, in for some we'll other to- reason. We will return and, and come do the other Burton. I watched that movie for the first time this afternoon. Let's go back. What are your guys' history with this specific movie? Have you guys seen it before? Yes. Yes. 
<laughs> Still didn't pick up he was a detective. Yeah, so he's I not a detective in this not movie. In this he's movie. more like a crime, a vigilante crime fighter. Yeah, well, that is what that yeah. is also what Batman is. He's, he's a man of many cows. Yeah. This is by uh, uh, this is by far the least competent Batman I think we see outside of the Schumachers. But he's got the most beautiful lips of all of all, all of the of all of the That's Batman. That's actually pretty hard to. It's Michael some, Keaton's lips. Okay, I don't even know why we're it. talking about this. <laughs> I like Val Kilmer's lips. Hey, they're, they're also beautiful, but yeah. I'm just saying. Actually, Kilmer's probably the only one that's going for the gold lip award. Yeah. Along with Keaton. <laughs> I think he's really also, good for his money. Why, why is it that you're like, I can't talk about Batman. We can't cover all of Batman. But you're just like, I do need to talk about his lips immediately. Well, Because that's well, the movie we're talking about. That's the movie we're talking about. And two, so it's all you see of him for most of the movie. That's true. It's relevant. So he does my my history lips. with this movie is that when I was young and now, I made my entire personality Tim Burton. Not now. I'm not. My personality is not Tim Burton at the moment. No, I um, I fell it's out. Certainly of, a part of it. I fell out of love with the Burton verse. Yeah. Um, you was know, it Planet and, of the Apes? Was it? No, I loved that. I loved like a wild movie. <laughs> We've had this conversation yeah. before. Sorry, I just, no, yeah. no. I think um, it was Todd, right? Uh, it just like yeah, it was definitely Sweeney Todd. Todd. Yeah. <laughs> And it took me a second to talking level. about either. Um, Get that level, loser. <laughs> yeah, it was Sweeney Todd, and I think it was just a um, the intense relationship of an artist with Johnny Depp and me just being really over Johnny Depp's exact same performance, which I used to love. You know, I used to be like, hey, mm. this is a hand. Sleepy Hollow, like all these movies, I used to be like so into that, like I'm doing a wacky performance. And then just, I think it was Sweeney Todd and then it was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that really are. Uh, cemented for me I think I was done with Tim Burton I was a huge Burton head but I still miss this movie yeah, yeah wow so, so you miss this movie obviously at the time you weren't born but you, <laughs> you this wasn't a back. part of you growing up but you had seen it before no I realised watching this movie that I think I have only seen Batman Returns right. the second one yeah. and I think I now like I was thinking about this on the train today I think I saw Batman Returns when I was too young and got freaked out and didn't finish that it. That movie is so scary. It's a scary It's movie. a creepy fucking movie. That I, movie is so creepy. That movie, like one of the last sequences of that movie is a uh, penguins doing a death march with the penguin mm. down into the river to dr- like, so he drowns to end it. It is wild. The imagery in that movie, that is a true like gothic kind of like masterpiece. Yeah. I much prefer the second one. It was yeah. also famously way more controversial and less financially successful because yes. a bunch of parents were like no absolutely not <laughs> why did you make batman this which i i mean i don't want i i'm happy that movie got to be what it is but also i kind of agree with the parents it's like put a rating on it be like it's it's it, too creepy actually what is the rating on that though they might have they've always been kind of adult films they're PG, I think, they're, or whatever, whatever the equivalent yeah. is. So, they're, so they're, they're M in America. What we would call PG. No, I think, I think it's, uh, I think it would be PG in America. There's no PG in America. Really? It goes G M R. No, they invented PG in order. Uh, Steven Spielberg invented PG in order to. Doesn't it go? No, 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 no. That's Steven not, Spielberg P- invented PG PG, th- PG thirteen. Yeah, was right. invented by Steven Spielberg in order for. E.T. to say fuck. <laughs> in order to have that absolutely rad sex scene in E.T. Because they wouldn't let E.T. surf. <laughs> or PG-13. There you go. Yeah, right. um, mm. So I, what I was saying about my love of Tim Burton, though, 
is that this movie, interestingly enough, so I, I, could, dark. I could tell you every <laughs> fucking fact about Sleepy Hollow and everything about the Night Before Christmas and all of those, you know, like I was completely and utterly obsessed. I didn't view Batman as a really a Tim Burton movie because it's not his real, like, it's him doing his first commercial big movie. Yeah. It still has a lot of things about it that it's Burton-esque, you know, a lot of the design elements, that kind of thing, but it doesn't, to me, feel like a real Tim Burton movie. Yeah, and in a way that Batman Returns really does. Yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like the most Tim Burton movie of all time. Whereas, yeah, this this movie has a little bit, uh, you know, in part of the production history, which I'm sure we'll get into, there is a lot more influence from the producers that come in and be like, you know, oh, it needs to end on a bell tower because bell towers are really cool right now and all the kids love bell towers. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel like the producers know it at all to me. Pro- the producer went to see Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> this is this is what they said. I watched the, the making of DVD this morning. Uh, yeah, this is real. I read this as well. They, and the producers were like, the producers were like, look, here's the thing. <laughs> what you need is for them to climb stairs at the end and then them to be very high. And Tim Burton was like, okay, I guess. That also <laughs> seems like the biggest soft pitch to Burton possible. He's like, all right, you're doing bad. For a producer to come down on Tim Burton and be like, hey, I need, the, I need the finale in a gothic cathedral. And Tim Burton just be like. Well, I guess I'll compensate on that. I just, <laughs> oh, you know, I couldn't possibly. I just need, you know, the back car to be a little bit more spooky. Like that's <laughs> the softest soft pitch to Tim Burton a producer could ever give him. Yeah. Well, I think I think they were they were like very aligned on like the I've forgotten what the producer's name, but they were very aligned There's together. A bunch. There's so uh, many. Yeah, there are a lot of this. people. Uh, they were very aligned together on what they wanted mm. the movie to be. And it was just the few things where they were intervening saying like, oh, we actually do need this. A for bell the- tower. Yeah, we need a bell tower yeah. because it's really important. Mm. I have it. Apparently Jack Nicholson was like anti the bell tower. Well, yeah, because he was like, why would why would the Joker go up this? Well, there's no escape there. That is against every fibre of his being. And Helicopter. Then, and then <laughs> Tim Burton had to be like, yeah, j- just get up there, Jack. Like, just, just go. It's a helicopter at the top. Joker can't take off from a helicopter on the ground. He needs to helipad and a belt house, a perfect helipad. Before we get right into the crux of what we're talking about, which is why there was a bell tower at the end of Batman 1989. Why don't I do a breakdown of Nigel Phelps' I agree. I think we should talk about Nigel Phelps. Let's talk about Nige. Nigel Phelps was born in March 16th, 1926. He studied fine arts at the Royal College of Art in London. When his grant ran out there, he then got a job as a storyboard artist for Paul Mayersberg on his first film, Captive. It was through Mayersburg that he met Anton first, who would go on to be his like mentor for a lot of his early career. Um, he says about it is that he left uh, left college to work with Anton because he wasn't very good at drawing people, but he was very good at drawing backgrounds. He worked with Anton in the production of Neil Jordan's Company of Wolves as a conceptual artist, and it was his work on Company of Wolves that actually went on to get him this job. He then worked again under Anton on Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, where he was part of the art team. He said about that, he was like, our art team was two Land Rovers, each one towing a little porter cabin behind it that was about big enough to get two drawers drawing boards in it. Since it was my first big feature, I just figured that was what was typical for an art department. It's, cr- I mean, that that the, the construction of that movie is so crazy. Everything had to be within, I don't know if you know this, it has to be within 20 kilometers of Stanley Kubrick's house in London. Mm. And so the only place they had to film was like these weird docklands that were just very, very close to his house. And then they had to make it look like Vietnam. And, Kubrick- and then you watch that movie and you're like, that's Vietnam. Kubrick also refused to get produ- like, um, uh, 
uh, props, props, prop sources, uh, people who went out and bought props. So they were out, the art department would work six days in a row and then go out and buy props on their weekends. Because Kubrick was like, they don't need it in television. Kubrick sounds um, like a real cheap guy in this movie <laughs> <laughs> for someone who will take a million takes and spend like a thousand million dollars on cellular. Well, yeah, you got like, you got to make the money up somewhere. <laughs> by all accounts, Phelps seemed to really enjoy this production, uh, despite it being by the sound of it a bit of a boot camp it was then after that that he and anton both began working on batman 89 at the time it was just called batman as they had not yet determined a release date well, it, is, it is just, called, just batman. called batman we just call it we batman call 89, 89 now, now because there's 75 billion batman movies. Uh, my point stands uh <laughs> though the department was much bigger he would eventually be credited as co-lead of the art department and it was this production uh, and the production design for Batman 89 would win the Oscar that year in no small part thank, uh, thanks to Nigel's work. After the triumph of Batman, Nigel and Anton both moved to America in hopes of greater success, but sadly, shortly after relocating, Anton committed suicide after a prolonged battle with drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And then speaking about it, uh, Nigel said, I had to determine whether to stay in US and make a go of it from scratch or head back to England. So I decided to stay in America and we've been based here since. He worked with propaganda films doing design work for music promos, which is actually where he first met, worked with Michael Bay, which would go on to be right. like a life long career partnership. He still works on Transformer films to this day before finally landing his first uh, role as a production designer for 1995's Judge Dredd. Despite the movie being poorly received by many critics, the design of Mega City 1 was uh, universally praised by all involved and this would mark the beginning of a long career career as a production designer lasting to this day. Nigel Phelps' most recent credit being in 2022. What was it for? I didn't... Thor Love and Thunder, remember? Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Because do you want to cover that movie on this podcast i we we have what we're pro- possibly pro- we have what we're doing set and then seamus like i did with princess diaries is maybe wants to tag on love and thunder because he loves that movie there are two thors inside of me and one of them loves and the other thunders and <laughs> i need to let them out um and that's basically a really brief uh breakdown of nigel phelps career it's really prolific and part of the reason we're doing it is that he will go on to be as you put it he's kind of like a um he he touches every point of blockbuster history between batman 89 and now it's like we've got the transformer movies we've got pearl harbor we've got troy we've got marvel movies now he's just been working reliably and consistencies and making so much money for so long yeah. that it's just kind of irresistible to talk about him. Yeah, it's really it's really exciting. It's exciting for this movie specifically because it's like, here's this progen- like progenesis of his career. Here is mm. this like first look at, and this you know happens with a lot of production designers. This is kind of the classic, this is what you want your career to be, I think, as a production designer, is you work and you make, you are just helping out making matte paintings or now maybe working on the volume, doing your Unreal Engine stuff, and then slowly your stuff just kind of develops and develops until you're in charge of an entire uh, uh, mm. cavalcade of people. What a weird way to say that. <laughs> Before we jump into Batman itself and we start breaking down the movie... Do, I, do you want me to do a little introduction and then we'll jump into the production history of the movie itself? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, great. Uh, here's the thing. I'd like to apologise in advance for this introduction. <laughs> in the dark recesses of a smoke-filled corner office, hidden out of the way from the rest of the Warner Brothers movers and shakers, a young executive named Bonnie Lee sits quietly sifting through paperwork, 
Harsh, slatted light falls across her face. It's getting dark out. The pitch deck from above the law sits on her mahogany table. She flips through it again, disappointed. She looks at her other prospects. Harrison Ford in Frantic? It's a rehash. Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach? What had this once great studio come to? What she needed was a visionary. Someone who could take an action movie and give it a real world. Something that felt lived in. Iconic. Something that could make merchandise sell. A dark shadow. A cigarette light. A cigarette lights in the corner of the room. A figure steps out. Bonnie looks up. Still a silhouette. A thin-looking, bedraggled man with wild hair who extends out a long, painterly hand. I'm Burton. Batman 1989 is a superhero action comedy thriller directed by Tim Burton and starring Michael Keaton. The film centers around the titular battered man, the Dark Knight of Gotham City, who is in a constant war on crime and finds himself in the sights of the dastardly Jack Napier, a psychopath who, after falling into a vat of acid and just generally being a real weird unit, becomes the jokesman himself, the Joker. Owing a great deal to German expressionism and film noir, Burton returned the iconic hero to artistic stylings of the 1930s and away from the more current Adam West goofy pal zap wham imagery. Despite initial backlash from fans over the casting of Michael Keaton, perhaps a primordial precursor to the horrifying entitlement and ownership that some modern day comic book fandoms have over every single piece of intellectual property slot that is thrown at them, the movie released to not only incredible critical acclaim, going on to receive several nominations in various award ceremonies and winning an Academy Award for Anton First Production Design, but also was one of the highest grossing films of the year and to this day is regarded as one of the pinnacles of comic book cinema. What do you guys think? Am I okay? Yeah, that was good. That was really good. That was fantastic. That was really good. I'm proud of you. Thanks so much. I thought of I'm Burton and then worked backwards from there. (laughs) So what's interesting about this Batman is that for us in a modern audience. He's a bat. (laughs) He's a detective apparently. Uh, No, What's interesting about it is that for a modern audience, our mainstream Hollywood cinema is literally comic book adaptation. It's Marvel. It's the MCU. We have got so many versions of this since, but I think it's important to note, as you were saying, this is like the one of the, the first ones that, well, they, that they Richard Donner's Superman is like the that is the that is the one. That yeah. is the like the the real genesis of this entire thing. Turned it into a franchise, became a thing. This was basically the flip side of that where Richard Donner's Superman is all kind of glory and, and yeah. thing. This is all being, you know, cool and grungy and like, you know, taking us into the nineties and what if what if superheroes work gritty? Yeah. Um this is the this is that. Yeah. Which then gets again turned on its head by the anyway, we don't need to get into yeah, comic book movie history. Yeah, but I think it's important to note yeah. like and just in terms of like how they assembled the cast and who wanted to be involved and who lobbied for the roles and yeah. who was keen. And like, I, I find all that stuff very interesting. Yeah. And I think, as you said, like when it comes to Michael Keaton and people being really upset about his casting, I think there was like a bunch of petitions going around. And there people were people writing like marching on the streets, <laughs> like at the premiere. Like, they were yeah. furious that he was cast and that kind of behavior still freaking happens to this day. Yeah. And now it's worse. And now, you know, people are doxing people and, you know, sending things to their house and it's awful. It's, kind yeah. of, it's been happening forever. People yeah. always find, will always protest something if they have any attachment to a narrative. Like, I don't I, think it has to be exclusive to comic books or nerd culture. I'm sure there were people probably saying that Gregory Peck was a bad choice for To Kill a Mockingbird back there. 
that right? Did I get any other right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of like shots Peck, yeah. in the dark. It was Gregory Pecker to kill a mockingbird. But <laughs> I think people were using- People were like, yep, that's a movie star in a big movie. <laughs> Checks <laughs> out. Uh, th- th- this is specific to this is- comic books. And and not just, but like modern fandom. And it started kind of here. Like yeah. this, is, this is the thing of like, sure, there was like Sherlock Holmes fans that were mm. super pissed off when um, they killed- uh, Sherlock Holmes, but that's not the same thing as this. This was a like the community banding together to petition something so it didn't happen because they felt ownership over the IP. Do you think it really started here? I don't like- know if it like started, started, but it was one, I think it has to be an early one. Mm. I have no way of, uh, I just really don't think Gregory Peck should have got it. <laughs> feel passionate about well, you have Atticus been furious Finch. about that for a long time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mean, it's fair to say like geek culture, nerd culture, that kind of thing, particularly have a bad reputation of having a gatekeeping half fandom. Um, yeah, that, And that is something that is, as we said, only gotten more and more problematic as it's gone along. Yeah. But, okay, so hear me out without, at the risk of sounding like someone that wrote on the petition I also think that had I been around then, I was not born yet, had I been there and a fan, and I found out that Michael Keaton, at this point, had only really ever done comedy. So he was like a bit, his his thing was comedy. Yeah, yeah, his His thing was definitely comedy. Yeah, yeah. Beetlejuice was obviously, obviously that's why Tim Burton cast him. Tim Burton apparently really came in and was like, I want him to play it. Even the producers were like, we don't want him to play this role. Well, that's not entirely true, actually. Tim Burton's initial uh, casting choice was Willem Dafoe. He wanted Willem Dafoe as Batman. Sick. As well as like a bunch of other people. But it was actually a different producer that suggested Keaton to Burton. I'll just get up the name here. Was it Bonnie Lee again? No, it was actually it was someone who had seen him in um, Clean and Sober. Who, yeah, uh, that suggested it to Burton, and the Burton was like, "Yeah, I just worked with that guy. That's great." But yeah, but it, I think a lot of other producers were not thrilled. On a the lot of, I mean, a lot of producers were pushing for big names, obviously. Yeah, but it wasn't Tim Burton who initially was like, "It needs to be um, Keaton." It was just like someone suggested it to him, which I also always thought weird. It was like you just worked with this yeah, guy. Yeah, but I think it's that's like a left. It's a left to center casting choice. A hundred percent. And it, it ended up working out for him. You know, people were happy with his performance. He ended up getting critical acclaim for it, actually. Yeah, people which is for sure. Love and Keaton's the, Batman. the thing that people were saying was like, oh, you're going to make it a comedy. Like, oh, now it's going to be just the Adam West thing totally. all over again. Yeah. And Tim Burton was like, no, that's not what we're doing here. We're making it, you know, whatever it is, this gothic kind of piece. John Peters was the name of the producer who eventually um, right. cast him. Do you well, want to give us any, any other t- tidbits from production history? Yeah, any bits I'll, and bobs? So, have you got a cast uh, yeah. a alternate cast list? I do. I've, I've got a massive alternate yeah, cast list, but I'll get to that at the end. I'll just do the you know the little script to screen that I've started doing. Um, producers Benjamin Malkner and Michael E. Uslan bought the rights to Batman from DC in 1979, wanting to produce a darker Batman script more in line with Bob Kane and Bill Finger's original concept, though proved unable to sell it to Hollywood on the prospect with the studios wanting it to be more like the 60s. wasn't until Superman came out um, and a rewrite by Uslan that Warner Brothers decided to pick up the project on a $50 million budget in 1980. It then ballooned way out from there. Yeah, ended up at 45 or something like that. I yeah, think it, was, it ended up at 50. 30 and then ballooning again yeah. to 50 during production. And it was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. At the time, it was 100 The interesting thing about Michael E. Uslan, 
Um, so he, in the early 70s, started a university course at the College of Arts and Sciences mm. in Indiana, and he convinced them to start a course on comic books, and his kind of retelling of the story is that the guy at the Indiana University is like, why would, why would you ever do a, a comic book course, a, a, a university course on comic books? And he said, well, what's the story of Moses? And he's like, well, Moses was sent down the river, and then he's picked up by these Egyptians, Then, and what's the story of Superman? It's like, oh, it's the same story. It's he was Kutonian, sent down a river, down and he was picked up by and then he's picked up by the Kents. Uh, and so the, the idea is he's kind of sold it in this way. Uh, and it, it, that university course ended up being kind of a hit. Stan Lee contacted uh, Michael E. Uslan. He get a, gets a job at United Artists. Then he sells the idea of taking Batman back to the 30s to Benjamin Melnicka, who's, who's, who you said before. And they try and sell the idea from there. And eventually it gets picked up at, at mm. Warner Brothers. Whole bunch of producers came on board in between those steps as well. There were more than nine rewrites um, performed uh, by nine separate writers, many different scripts. One by uh, Tom Menkowitz, the original writer for Superman, that was almost going to be directed by Wes Craven. Sick. Another version. I'd that, watch that. That'd yes, be cool. It would be sick. If it was like the weird Richard Donner Superman style writing with Wes Craven's with Wes Craven's style. doing it? Yeah, that would be so fucking sick. Don't know if sick. it would work. I don't think it would, but I'd love to have seen it. Another one was intended to star Bill Murray as Batman and Eddie Murphy as Robin and mm-hmm. was going to be directed by Ivan Reitman. Uh, yeah, that that was kind of the one of the early, that, was that was one of the early ones that almost of kind of culture, yeah, yeah. Or, almost got made where there everyone also, was like, oh, they're gonna they're, that's the comedy. That's version. it, Adam. Yeah, the Adam West one. Yeah. There were also like Adam West versions of the script even before like this iteration that were almost Batman in space. There were so many different um, people were taking swings at Batman for a long time, but it was in the weird co- uh, point where people didn't want to make movies about Man- Batman, Man Bat. Um, they still don't want to make movies about Man I Bat, which is a real Man disappointment. Ba- Man Bat movie would be sick. Uh, it wasn't until 99, uh, 1985 after the success of Pee-wee's Big Adventure that Tim Burton came on and got a rewrite done um, by Sam Hamm based on a treatment written by his at-the-time girlfriend, Julie Hicks. Mm-hmm. Hickson. And I put a space there for flair. <laughs> After work, uh, after working on the film for over a year, he then took a break to go make Beetlejuice. Sick, pretty good break. Cool thing I gotta to do. say. Cool thing to do. Uh, and it was the success of that film that finally got Batman: The Green Light to commence pre-production in April 1988. Isn't it crazy how short the production window is? Wait, April 1988. Yeah, but they shot for 80 days. That's not short at all. It was released in when in 1989 Pre- for pre-production. I mean, after being in production hell for so long. But yeah, it's all. That's not, that's normal. That's like, sure. a, that's like a year to make a movie. That seems crazy now. Is that crazy now? No, it, that, that, that would be complete luxury now. Like a year the, of pre-production? A year of pre-production, maybe not, but uh, 80 days of shooting is completely That's now. Yeah, that makes more sense. But still, it seemed, for pre-production, that seems crazy short to me now. Like, it feels like movies are in pre-production for like four years. But the other, but the other part of it is it's been in pre-production for 10 years. Like, yeah. they've, because they've been working up to it since the initial pitch in 79, there've been like artists that have done drawings and concept yeah. art and all of this stuff that's oh. come together. It's not like it's coming together all at one no, no, thing. Like, no. from conception to... to yeah, you're, you, you're right. I just saw April uh, and it was like, comes out the next year. That seemed crazy to me. But I suppose you're right. Like production hell is not actually unproductive. Yeah, as I said, they, they shot for 80 days, mm. six nights a week. So they would shoot 
from four o'clock in the afternoon until five to six o'clock in the morning, go to sleep for 80 full days. That is so upsetting. That mm. would be the so, worst shoot. That would be so rough. And Tim Burton in the you know DVD or whatever is like, I would never do that now. Yeah, That's such a, a crazy idea. thing for anyone to do. Well, it's like when I've read about things like even like the production of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So many night shoots, they were yeah. all miserable. Also interviewed the vampire, Brad Pitt famously hated. Well, first of all, he wanted to play Lestat, so he was upset that he was playing Louis. <laughs> and then he was miserable because it was all night shoots. So he was mm. losing sleep and just like, so that them vampire like bat, Esque things are, you know, it's you're dealing with vampires. You're shooting at night. <laughs> you just gotta shoot at night. You gotta shoot at night as well. Yeah. To call Batman bat esque is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is sort of bat esque if you think about it. Like, he's sort of. It's weird that he named It's weird that he named himself after a long piece of wood. Hmm. I, see, I was always under the impression until I did a bit more research that this movie that was, was made after <laughs> something other than a bat. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Charlie watching Batman for the first time. Oh! <laughs> oh, right. I thought he was called Batman because he bats the bad guys away. <laughs> He's bad and above his average. So <laughs> He does date very, very attractive women. <laughs> He's the Batman. He those lips. <laughs> he's got um, great baton form. <laughs> he's, he's fuck. I like my pitch. <laughs> I kind of no like it too. Work. I think you know who'd love that. You know who'd no love that. Work not about a bat. <laughs> you know who'd love that. Terrible producers in two thousand and three. They'd be like, "Hang on, he's called the Batman. That's funny." <laughs> I mean, and what he does is he bats above his average. <laughs> that is the one Batman movie we never got. Is the Batman movie in the universe of the Halle Berry Catwoman for sure? And it would have been that the Batman. What I was saying, though, is I was always under the impression before I did a bit more research for this movie that it was filmed in a very short turnover because all I knew about it before coming into this is um, Jack Nicholson's agreement with production. Fuck, it's good. Which is fascinating and has ended up being, I think, at the time and even now, I looked up who has the best paycheck from any film. Yeah. He's in the top ten still. Which yeah. is crazy. It's like him and RDJ are like the two biggest like so he was like back end on every single thing that has the Joker on it. Oh, you've got you've got the exact thing. I think it was all Batman merchandise. I don't think it was even Fuck. the Joker. Negotiated with some pretty good conditions in contract, including time off to see the Lakers, casting Tracy Walter and uh as Bob the Goon and a cut of box office profits and merchandise. That was incredibly in, Like in perpetuity for this particular branding. Like any- he's, he's still making money off that. Yes. Thing. He would be making money. I think he would technically be making money off the fact that they put, because it's not Joker merchandise. It's Batman 89 merchandise. So he will be making money off the fact that they put Keaton in Flash. Wow. I think. I make him. I, I don't have. Yeah, yeah, we don't know that for sure. And also, <laughs> you, you know that Warner hurts. Brothers is trying to cook those books as quickly as they can. The, they don't want to pay Jack. But the They way, don't want to give Jack his money. It's not Joker merchandise. Yeah. It was just merchandise. Batman. Batman 89. That's so cool. That's fucking bananas. I have never seen someone smugger than in, in the DVD. interview. Than, than the DVD extras where Jack Nicholson is explaining. He's like... Yeah, so uh, they didn't actually have enough. They sold out before, so they made quite a bit of money on it. <laughs> and he's no one has been like, I'm the biggest fat cat in the world. Yeah, because well, he took a pay cut to be in it. A little bit, yeah. He went, it's also not, but not it wasn't like it wasn't that much. It was like, like five million. Yeah, he was six million, which back then was. I feel like for someone like Jack Nicholson, though, and he insisted he was first top build. So that's why when it comes up, he's top build. Yeah, which, is, which I found funny because I was like. That's what? Like, and anyway, because like, you know, I, 
In my brief stint of being an agent's assistant, I will tell you that one of the biggest arguments ever <laughs> is fucking credits. It's billing. Billing yeah, billing's and credits. huge. And what credit you get and the wording of it and the and and the this and the that and who's first. It's like it's the biggest fucking deal and it can make or break a contract. And is this is it, is it this one that has Anne Jack Palance? Is that is that the and in this movie? I think, I've, I mean, I've got it here, I'm sure. Yeah, Anne Jack Palance. I have no um, idea why, but for a moment I thought you were about to say in my brief stint in being an agent of the night, <laughs> <laughs> I learned how hard it is to get credited above Batman. <laughs> in my brief stint this as an my, agent of chaos. This is my villain origin story right now. <laughs> no, your post well, origin actually, story. Your, 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 your brief stint as an agent was... Or an agent's assistant is maybe your villain origin story. <laughs> they really twisted you real bad. If you didn't get out of there, suddenly we'd come in and you'd be wearing skin makeup. <laughs> I think that we need to talk about the alternate casting because it's funny. Absolutely. Uh, I have it, yeah. I have uh, Mel Mel Gibbs uh, for Batman. Wait, wait. You, you give it to me, I'll say yes or no. Mel Gibson. No. Kevin Costner. Hmm, no. Charlie Sheen. No. Tom Selleck. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, you have to he'd, he'd never shave the moustache. You have to have the moustache. <laughs> that is actually my reason for yes. It's I want to see the bat stache. He could shave it like a bat. Like Sold? Selick, but uh, Bill Murray, we've already discussed. Yeah. Harrison Ford, Dennis yes. Quaid. He turns up in weird places. That's yeah, my thing about he, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis Quaid. He, my they, house. They try, I mean, he was bed. big, but they really tried. They my really heart. tried to make him the, big, the biggest Pierce in the world. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan was Who, very close. Young? Um, I guess. I guess not that young. Apparently, he, he his... turned it down because he had no interest in playing a comic book character, which is. Funny to me, considering yeah, he and ended then up he, playing James Bond. Was ever, yeah. I know he's not a corporate character, but like, yeah. yeah. And James Bond at the time, I think, was a little bit more kind of prestigious, whereas true. now it's a little mm. bit more junky. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's not that's not 100% true. I don't um, weird the, connection there. One of the writers on this film also wrote Lemon Led Die and Diamonds Are Forever. Cool. Yeah. The various different rewrites. So we've got also, I'll give you the Joker list. So yeah, give me the Joker yes list. No. Okay, here we go. Tim Curry. Yes. David Bowie. Yes. yes. John Lithgow. Yes. Brad Dourif. Yes. Yes. Ray Liotta. Yes. James Woods. No. No. Mm, yeah, I mean, he would uh, be so good. Unfortunately, I really like James, uh, James Woods, Woods and everything. so good. I just don't want him to have uh, yeah, more money. Yeah, he sucks. Burton but... also wanted to cast John Glover. Hmm. Oh, jo- Jonathan Glover? Yeah, it just says John Glover. It's just yeah. John. And right. Some guy. Apparently, Robin Williams really... <laughs> really rallied for the role. Robbie wanted, Williams. Uh, Robbie for the Joker. <laughs> yeah, Robin Williams. He yeah. really wanted it and then he didn't get, and then I think he's uh, pivoted <laughs> to trying to do Riddler later and he didn't get that either. So apparently John Lithgow, as legend, has it, like in his audition, didn't want to be, was like, please don't cast me. I don't want to do this. Yeah, because he, who, who, sorry, John, John Lithgow. Lithgow. He oh. got it, then he got called really big feet. He got called really big feet. Yeah. He got called gals. <laughs> and he said he then, Regretted it really <laughs> massively. Oh, that's sad. Uh, mm. A lot of people actually bailed on this production and regretted it. There's quite a few. I've read. I think people were kind of like Batman. Just uh, like, well, it's oh. like comic book pictures. Like, Adam oh, really West thing. Yeah, and yeah, Batman had a very specific image. Mm. Tim Burton was like 27 he or made something. He Wee's Big like, Adventure. Tim and Burton was. He might have been 20. 31. I think. At yeah, the right. Time. When they but yeah. So when they're in pre-production, you know, he's just 30, mm. and he's like, yeah, I'm taking over the most expensive movie movie ever made. Crazy. Yeah. Here we go, and Stressful. and I can't imagine being like, "Yep, this will definitely be a good idea." But the Does- fact that he got Jack Nicholson because of the crazy deal that they offered him, I think that and a horse ride. I think yes, <laughs> Tim I did love- have to get on a horse and then really hated it. it. <laughs> 
What I love about that, though, is that the comic book fans were so anti, obviously, Michael Keaton, but they were so stoked with Jack Nicholson because that was yeah. everyone's first pick to play the Joker. It's like a yeah. fan casting since the show, yeah. since, like, Nicholson blew up, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So Probably one of the earliest fan castings. Yeah. yeah. There's a very Except funny, for Gregory Peck. Very funny, of course. <laughs> everyone Atticus was, Finch. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> there is a very funny quote. For, sorry, I was just kind of processing what you were saying. Uh, I didn't like it. Uh, there, is, there is a fan quote. Uh, there is a funny quote from Tim Burton where he's like, yeah, but like, of course, when we could get Jack, we did try and get Jack because he is the Joker, <laughs> which I think he, and he then goes back on and he's like, cause he's so good. Cause it really seems like he's just scared of the guy. <laughs> Scary man. Yeah. Every time Jack Nicholson is doing an interview for the Joker, he does really give the vibe that he has the really long gun in his pants. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he does that throughout his entire uh, he's film just career. Just- like I think kind of post this kind of, you know, when he gets into his kind of later, you know, career and he's just like in The Departed when he's like, oh, that, that little bit where he's like, I'm a rat. <laughs> like, have you seen that? Oh yeah, That's like, just the Joker it? again. Like- so Sean Young was cast as... Yeah, this um, is sad. Oh, yeah. this is so heartbreaking. Uh, Sean Young was she originally got cast. fucked over again later. Yeah, as Vicky Vale, who obviously and then fell off a horse. Is yeah. that right? Got injured, so, had to. Was there through five weeks of pre production, fell off a horse, and then they were like, sorry, you can't do it. And the way she talks about it, she's like, yeah, this is this. I've, I, I keep thinking if only I could hold on to that horse, both as a metaphor and in re, in real life, because then what would happen is I'd get this big, huge box office movie and then I could go on to have a much bigger kind of, you know, a much bigger career. Mm. And she's like, and instead that didn't happen. And then the DVD extra just cuts away from her after playing sad music. It's really depressing. And she has had a bit of a rough run, Sean yeah. Young as well. She and missed out on a bunch of roles. She, yeah, she then tried to lobby for Catwoman in the second one and, like, turned up to a talk show dressed as Catwoman with a whip, like, while Tim Burton was being interviewed to try and be like, cast me as Catwoman, and it was, like, not good. Oof. So, like, I, I – no. no, so, like, it, it oh, was one of those, like, holy shit. Um, Kim Basinger was cast because, like, very last minute and they needed yeah. someone who was available and so she just got the role, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we need an actress who's available right now. Yeah, we need someone who can fly to the UK in the next day and because they were shooting free. in Pinewood Studios and so – they just and of got everyone in like the DVD extras. She's just the one that's like, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, she's she seems like she had a fucking awesome time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sounds good to me. Like they were like they didn't actress who was available. I'm like, I know so many actresses who would have been available at the drop of a hat for that in one. In 1989, like, hey, babe, <laughs> do you want to do Batman? I'd be like, sure. Yeah, sick. All right. <laughs> I just remembered me on. what I was thinking about for another movie that she missed out on. It was um, Dick Tracy. I don't think that's as sad. <laughs> that movie didn't make it. That movie's not well remembered. Yeah. Well, it sucks that Sean Young's career kind of didn't like, because she, you know, she's great in Blade Runner and that kind of thing. And it just, yeah. I can imagine it would just be absolutely Maybe we should cover her sometime. Yeah. But we ended up with Kim, who's got some fantastic hair in this movie. Gorgeous hair. Gorgeous hair. Yeah, I, she I, looks she was, great. I think she's really, I think she's really solid. Yeah, she's good. And and it's not, it's not like a, everyone else is doing these kind of hit out of the park performances. And then she's just kind of this solid kind of through line, which I think is really, really useful to have. Yeah, she's good. And the rest no of complaints. The- <laughs> you did good. Oh, wow. good job, Tempered Kim. praise. <laughs> a, solid, a solid fine. salute to Kim. <laughs> a solid six out of ten. Thank you so much, I Kim. Her a seven. I yeah, just yeah, resent so- her long, glossy hair a bit. I yeah, was of like, course. <sighs> I mean, she's, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, be really nice to have incredible. some long, glossy hair. Beautiful in this movie. She's, she's 
famously attractive person. Kim Basinger? Yeah. Yeah, yeah agreed. Mm. Yeah. Only other thing I've seen her in is LA Confidential. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. Oh, she's really good in that. Yeah, she's won the Oscar. Yeah. So yeah, she can won the Oscar. Sorry, no, she won the Oscar. She won the Oscar. She won the Oscar. Won the Oscar. Oh, well, <laughs> well, well, let's get into the movie. Let's dive in. We start. <laughs> Thanks. Nighttime. Oh wait, I was going to say Michael Keaton's voice was like the first time that someone did a disguised Batman voice. Yes, absolutely. Which is iconic, and that Christian Bale like did that. Really far. We took it more. Further. Yeah, but like I think yeah. that Christian Bale was like, "What if that was?" Undecipherable. Really? Yeah, what if I get punched <laughs> Well, in the at least throat? someone's making a vague effort to disguise themselves, you know? Yeah, true. Okay. It, well, it's the Christian Bale thing is always like, he's like, if I just did my voice but lower, I'd still be recognisable. So therefore, I have to talk like this. He did it great in Batman Begins where he's like, I'm Batman. And then it goes to the next one and he's like, <laughs> Where is Cookie Monster's cookies? <laughs> is that John Lithgow doing Batman? <laughs> That's really John Lithgow doing Where is Joker or Tishy? Where is she? That sounded like Jimmy Stewart doing Batman. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, we start with the Warner Brothers logo. Is <laughs> this incredible Danny Elfman horns music playing? The Danny Elfman score is so good. We are moving through Gothic architecture. We get the and Jack Palance, um, some of Jack Palance's career: Sudden Fear, Contempt, Shane, Tango, and Cash. Really good old school character actor. Mm. We love Jack. We haven't mentioned this yet, which is crazy. That the songs. Uh, written and performed by fucking Prince in this movie. Yep. Uh, so, so cool because Warner Brothers also had a deal with Prince. That's how we ended up in this picture, I believe is the yeah, case. Yeah, one of the producers was just like, we should put Prince in this. And everyone was like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Where? No, everyone was like, where? And he was like, he was like, we got to have a float scene. We've got to have a musical. We'll do a whole fucking album. And then Prince does a whole fucking album. They get two songs in and Prince is like, well. No, no, they use, they use way more than two. There's like five songs for right Prince they used this. less than half the album yeah yeah because yeah. he wrote a full, he basically wrote a joker album yeah and he arrived on set i believe in like a weird joker outfit and a little no, bit no of that's makeup. his musical video that's the that's music video musical video as they're called Lincoln. that is what they call them they call the musical videos where he's in half batman half joker makeup which yeah. is a cool look that i'm gonna do we start on a matte painting of the entirety of gotham city a full moon glints in the night gotham is awake at night then we move into the city streets and you get this sense of this full multi-level world there are highways both walking and cars that kind of go across the whole thing this is mm. all nigel phelps work yeah i noted on this bit this is a real sick set let's get used to seeing it like 120 times yeah absolutely they i mean at pinewood studios they built what like an intersection like a lot of you know, a lot of movies are made like that. You build one intersection and then you shoot yeah, it a million shoot ways. from different angles. This one with the kind of backing of Gotham, like these huge matte paintings is like one of the most spectacular sets yeah. that ever has lived. The town hall, essentially. Yeah. Then there's this long tracking shot at the opera. Did anybody else notice that Michael Keaton is out of frame in this first tracking shot? As it's panning across, you can see Michael Keaton talking to someone. No! And so, as Bruce Wayne. Uh, as Bruce Wayne. And so it makes sense that he sees this family get tracked off. And so then you follow him. Uh, it is so obvious to me. And uh, so here's, here's my history with this movie. I'd never seen it until like, two or three weeks ago watched it and then watched it again for this podcast because I just watched it because we were thinking about Nigel Phelps and I was like oh I've never seen that movie and that tracking shot happened and I was like 
oh, that's a weird mistake because clearly they're doing the, the – I was mm. going for the – like, oh, they're doing the Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to pull the, pu- the pearls. And I was like – What a weird like, mistake that Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton yeah, is like, just in the background. Like such a foolish thing to do. That's so, so obvious. He's got one of the most obvious silhouettes in movie history. Do you know why Those I didn't – Those lips. Those lips. Do you know why I didn't notice that? I was too distracted by the sex worker proposition, propositioning a child yeah, and then yeah, getting yeah. offended when he, she when his mum pulls him away. She like looks at the mum, looks at the dad, and looks at the kid. Was like, "Hey, honey, you want a trick?" And then like the mum's like, "No," and she's like, "Whoa, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong? What's wrong with this? And this, this, is, this is like a child. Like it's a seven-year-old. It's an eight. Child. Like it's an eight-year-old as well. Yeah, it's not someone that would understand the concept. My note was just Gotham isn't safe for a child. <laughs> That's all I wrote. It's very true. Gotham Gotham is not safe for yeah, a child. It's a bad I place to live. fully thought when we were re-watching it, like I said, I haven't seen it for years, I went, oh, this is a Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And we're obviously meant to think that because later on. Oh, of on, course. Yeah. A family basically has the Wayne murders done to them, or at least they would have if they weren't saved by the Batman. The Batman. Uh, they're going under all of these beautiful metal arches. They're arguing about where they need to go. The father is obstinate. He knows where he's <clears> going. <throat> but then they get lost in the alleys and get accosted by some really fucked up looking guys. And it's a real... Tim Burton-y thing of, hey, we're going to do the thing of, like, these junkies are going to attack this Pale family. Boys with cold sores. They're going to look so horrific, <laughs> way more horrific than any human has ever looked, and so you're going to really get this, like, really get the sense of the city, really get everything that they've, they've got stuff. going on here. Batman is uh, looking down on these felons as they talk about how the Batman got some of their friends. Weird what? animated cape moment That's that I really love. That's a thing. It's like, yeah, it's like rotoscoped in or something. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I <laughs> like it too. It's uh, directly from above, and you see his cape has been painted in on the film cells to, I guess, make him spooky. Yeah, but it's it's like really unnatural. And it's for directly some from above. It looks, it looks very animated. Well, because I think it is. A, it's a flat matte painting. Yeah. And uh, looking down, down. Well, there's one. The, the thing that Batman is on is real, and then everything below it is I, matte. I think it's all painting. Uh, maybe. Because why would you paint him in? <laughs> I can't answer that question. All I'd written was Bat Gadget. <laughs> you are. One of the finest cinema minds that we have. <laughs> I mean, he does use a back gadget in this film. In this- You're a hundred. No denying it. He does use a bat gadget in this film. He uses a bat gadget. Um, I remember what bat gadget it was. It's a zip line. <laughs> okay. I love that. So these two junkies are talking about how Batman got some of their friends. One of them doesn't believe. He's like, there ain't no bat. And then all of a sudden, the big boy bat shows up. The With a bat gadget. <laughs> That's right. He zip lines down and he does his cape. He does the cape, the very iconic yeah. image from yeah. the trailer, I believe, where he like opens up his thing and it's this full silhouette mm. of, my, of the Batman. My thing about this cape that I really like is that it has no functional purpose other than to cape. Yeah, sure, I, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep on thinking it's him help it, it helps him flying, and I'm like, oh, they forgot to paint the wire out. No, every time it's like, no, he's on wire. I'm on a wire. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's just like, I, f- I love the fact that he's always the the bat gadgets the bat jets in this movie are so small and practical that sorry the, the, the gadgets yeah uh are so 
not particularly interesting. They are all very, very practical. And yeah. I think that I think that is awesome. Yeah. That's probably what that's that what, I think that's what, what you, my note that was. was yeah. what I was like, wow, finally, well, a practical you, back gadget. You've got all of that written down. Well for worse. <laughs> the felons shoot at him. He goes down for a second only to stand up again. I also love this moment, this very clear moment of they shoot at him, he like bah, 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 and then he like gets up because he's wearing body armor. They freak out. <laughs> sort of. Some sort of bat suit, you might say. <laughs> and then Batman be- beats the shit out of them. <laughs> and then he grabs one of them and before he throws him off the edge, he says, I want you to tell all your friends about me. And then, of course, Michael Keaton says, I'm Batman. Which was originally meant to be, I am the knight. And Michael Keaton was like, I want to say I'm Batman here. And Tim really? said, go with it. That's yeah. awesome. Wow. Yeah, Michael Keaton was like, let's just say I'm Batman. No one needs the night stuff in yeah, here. Yeah, you don't need the night stuff. Which then, you know, became way more iconic in other movies and comic books. But he yeah. was like, no, nah, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. That that's is not overcomplicated. That it. is what he is. And then he gets his zipline out and is like, that's a bat gadget. <laughs> Cut to Billy D. Williams at a nice event where the mayor introduces him as the new district attorney, Harvey Dent. He God, he looks good. He yes. looks Billy D. in this movie, smoking. He promises to crack down on crime in Gotham City. But who is watching this inauguration on the television other than one sneaky little son of a bitch, Jackie Jumping Jack Nicholson. He scoffs at Billy D. and then says, if you don't like crime, you shouldn't live in Gotham City. What do we think of his close-up magic in this scene? Oh, what is he? He's like flipping, he's flipping cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> it's some of the worst, like, it's the worst close-up magic we've seen in this entire podcast. We've seen a lot. Yeah, we've seen a surprising large amount. We've seen, and as too, a, we've seen to be fair, too much. I am always a fan of it when it arrives. In fact, I was so stoked to see that he was using cards. He does nothing. He just flicks one card up and then puts it back in the deck repeatedly. Well, because he's not he's not doing magic. He's not doing, a, he's he's not doing a trick. He's just playing with them. He's mm-hmm. not he's not a, he's not a close up Should magician. Should be doing magicians. He just is obsessed with one, his lucky deck of cards. Mm-hmm. He just has a lucky deck. So Jack is waited on by his girlfriend slash assistant Alicia, who's played by Jerry, Jerry Hall. Hall. My notes are so far <laughs> just Harvey dead. And then it goes Jerry Hall and then Jack Dickerson. <laughs> <laughs> Just say what you see. Jerry Hall, that was genuinely kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, For those of you who heard of Jerry Hall, famously was recently married to one of the Packers, actually. Really? She's a model. Yeah. And she was featured in that song where she was like, ow, 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 ow. And I've forgotten what the fuck that's called. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Supporting Cast Nights. (laughs) This is going to be Lucy Goosey. Jerry Hall says, as Jerry Hall says, you look fine. And then Jack Nicholson has a great line, which is, I didn't ask, which I fucking love. Mm. Cut back to the felons that Batman killed the police, including Lieutenant Eckhart, the incredibly named, incredible actor William Hootkins. Uh, he's only in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars, and Superman. <laughs> he's in everything. We we gotta get we gotta do the hoot. Absolutely. And he he is he's doing the most um film noir performance in this incredibly yes. film noir movie. Mm-hmm. He has a voice that's just kind of like this and he's smoking a cigarette and he's just like, yeah, I, I believe he's smoking a cigar. Yeah, sorry, he's smoking a cigar. cigar. Yeah. And it has the most Simply. crushed face. Yeah, he looks like his face has been crushed between two cinder blocks. He's really he's really got he's got a face on <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, he could be the like lead of of Sin City. Or if, he he could be trying to crush Mario in a, in a later <laughs> level. <laughs> Wait, you're saying he's a turtle? <laughs> no, he's one of the the. Oh, rocks. he's a he, he's a. We'll wait. Goomba. <laughs> 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 
called? Thwomp. He's a thwomp. <laughs> then um, Knox shows up, uh, Robert Wool, and starts trying to interview Lieutenant Eckhart about Batman, but he's not having it. He's like, don't write this shit up in your paper, Knox. But Knox is on the case. He's a journalist. They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. He's got all these theories about, about the Batman. What do we think of Knox as a character? I love Robert Wool in this performance. I think Knox is... Kind, I think it's a tragedy that Knox isn't now like uh, part of Batman canon. Yeah, well, I think it was also a thing that was brought in by the producers because yeah. they're like, oh, it's this 30s detective thing, so there has to be a journalist that's on the case yeah. and that's how they get Vicky Vale in. And like that, that all comes from that. But I really like, and I don't think he's particularly popular with... Batman 89 fans. I feel like they're like, ah, whatever, who cares? I I really love it. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think he should get the uh, Harley Quinn treatment and like slowly make his way into Batman canon as a real character. He's kind of Jimmy Olsen-esque, which is interesting. Jimmy Olsen is- Jimmy Olsen is uh, Superman's best friend. He's a uh, sort of redhead hanger on at Daily Planet. That's right. Yeah, yes, he's, yes, yes. he's a very- um bumbling kind of character as well. Like Nox just kind is, of yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Nox is. Yeah. But Nox has got like detective integrity. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In journalistic integrity. For sure, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to give away his sources. Eckhart then goes to meet Nicholson. It turns out he's taking hush money on the side. Uh, Jack expresses his intentions to run the city, but Eckhart is like, you're a psycho and every everyone hates you. You're, ne- you're never going to run all of Gotham. But Jackie Boy is like, you better think about the future, old pal. That's not how he talks about. Um, cut to I think what is my number one favourite matte paintings uh, in this entire movie that Nigel Phelps did. Uh, it's this epic industrial scrape with these incredible smokestacks and these thick copper pipes that extend and fan out a like fan out of this building as as cars drive by in, in the foreground and it looks like I don't know if you also thought this or you guys did but it looks like a Sean Tan novel and it's the oh, only yeah. time that like a Gotham that I'm like oh because it's yeah, got all these sick. weird That's curves a great pull. there is then a expositional scene where Billy D. Williams and the mayor discuss how there's going to be a festival soon that just kind of sets us up for the, the mm-hmm. later climax of the movie yep. then Knox arrives at his office everyone's making fun of him because he believes in the Batman. A guy's done a, a drawing of a shitty looking Batman, which is just like a, a guy with a rat's head. Then Wool destroys. No, no. <laughs> no, you're right. It is a bat's head. Uh, then Wool, Wool, is, Wool takes the piece of paper and is like laughing and then destroys a what a dick line. Which yeah, I, think is I really, really like really that. Really good. He then has, his next line is also really good, which is, if you want me to pose nude, you're going to need a longer lens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is good stuff. He's, he's got good. He's, we love him. We love him. We love Knox. We love Knox. We're Knox, Knox. heads. We're knocking, we're knocking on heaven's door. Vicky Vale is there to talk to Mr. Knox. She is a hard-nosed war photographer who believes Knox about the Batman. There is no real kind of justification as to why she believes him and nobody else does. She just likes bats. Is That's that- her statement. She's like, I just like bats. She comes in and says it. I don't know if it's a joke in the script. I think it's real. I think she's like, I just really like bats. No, but I think that doesn't she's make any sense either. She's chasing a hot scoop and believes in it or like is her. But I, is she sitting in his desk in yes. this scene? Mm. Yes. Yeah, it took me a while to get there. I was like, how? Like, yeah. she's very comfortable I, I, and confident. Vicky Vale says, my picture, your words, the Pulitzer. Just think. They hatch a plan to try to schmooze Commissioner Gordon at Bruce Wayne's annual ball dinner fundraising thing. Does anyone know what this is fundraising money for? I think it's funding funding the um, festival we see later, right? Right, so they're making a fundraiser, like an event to then fund a separate kind of bigger event event for the whole city. When it's him, I just assume it's orphans. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Like I just made that's, the assumption. That's what I was. That, it's that like was it's also close my to assumption. him. Like, this is, you also, know. This is the Batman in all of the movies. I have the most confidence has never donated a single dollar in his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's never. He's never sent money to anyone. I, yeah. There's a moment later when he's like, "Give Knox a grant," and it's like, "You should be." funding the entire newspaper. Like it, is like it is like such a tired bit that Batman could solve all the crime in Gotham by doing yes. uh, philanthropy. Cut to Jack Palance. He's the fake big bad guy. He's mad because they're cracking down on crime. He butts heads with Nicholson but pretends like he's giving him extra work or something, which I really like. He like sends him to his chemical plant mm. and he's like, you are my number one guy. But Palance basically frames Nicholson for the job he wants him to do, basically trying to kill him slash put him away because he knows he's sleeping with Jerry Hall, who it turns out is Palance's girl. Yeah. You find, and it's like, boy, that's... that's <laughs> uh, and then I write, uh, this shit is really complicated and just doesn't fucking matter at like <laughs> at all no one cares he frames him yeah i mean yeah, yeah that's it bruce wayne <laughs> bruce <laughs> the- no i because <laughs> I don't even know. Can we just hear? No. Can we just hear what, where, where, I, where you're up to? Can you I just read what you're was, looking at? I had. Just read what you're looking I at. I had like Christ Knox. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's actually break that down. So there are, there are seven deadly sins. <laughs> I also had Jack smiling. So that's good. He does. He does smile. And I said pillars for some reason. <laughs> and then I said, hello, legs. And hello, I, legs? Yeah. Hello, legs. Why that I is wrote why, that. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah that is. That it is. Before he says his good long leg line. Uh, long long legs, line. yeah. Hello, there you go. legs. Then we go to Bruce Wayne's fundraiser. Hello, legs. You should have said hello, legs. Do you want to go back and do it now? <laughs> Let's start again. Hello, <laughs> legs. <laughs> Michael Goff is there as Alfred. He is the biggest... Alfred, I think he's in the most Batman movies. He plays him. I thought you meant by size. Yeah, and also <laughs> by size. He plays him in That's, all four up until Michael Caine. That would so actually, he, he's in all of the Burtons, all of the Schumachers. I think that would have to be Andy Serkis now as the biggest as the biggest Alfred. Well, you mean you mean in size? Yeah, certainly in like Michael Caine's six foot. Yeah, but Serkis is, is he bulky. really? Yeah, Michael Caine's a big boy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know why. I just don't think of him as tall. Yeah, no, I'm. I mean, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> you he's, were so confident. I'm pretty that sure statistic. he's a tall guy. Uh, you look that up, Seamus, while I keep going. Look you look up Alfred. who's the tallest Alfred. I'm looking up biggest Alfred. Who, biggest Alfred. <laughs> Kim. Uh, he meets. Bruce, she meets Bruce Wayne, but doesn't know it. Keaton lies and doesn't tell her that he's Bruce Wayne. There's a running bit that I love here of him putting stuff down and then and Michael Goff picking it up. That is like a really good kind of running running gag. It really sets up how useless this Batman would be without his Alfred. He is. Is, is so bad at living in the world. The only thing he is good at is being Batman. He's also not that good at being well, Batman. <laughs> but there's no one for him to compare to. You know what I mean? <laughs> it seems like Alfred does all the ba- all the detective work, all like the thinking for Batman. I really get this, and I kind of like this about it. But Michael Keaton seems like he's a hammer in this. That's all he got. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I mean, there are some small things where he's like rewinding something and then watching something again to try and figure something yeah, out. And there then Alfred comes up of- with the police files. Like it's. <laughs> in there it's, yeah, I figured it out <laughs> Knox then tries to interview mm. Commissioner Gordon Knox. played by Pat Hingle and I'll give you Pat Hingle he is the narrator of The Land Before Time he's Good. both in Burton's Next and all of Schumacher's Batman he's in The Quick and the Dead Shaft the Samuel Jackson one Talladega Nights The Ballad of Ricky Bobby 
That's a fun list. That's a good list. Knox and Vicky Vale go snooping around Wayne Manor and find his armor room. Vicky yep. Vale also dressed in a wedding dress for yeah, some reason. I had that note as well. I was like, why is she in a wedding dress? Dress for the Tell job me, that can you, you want. Show me that note. <laughs> the armor. Kim, uh, <laughs> it says Kim. <laughs> Sorry, it says Kim. <laughs> no, it says Kim. <laughs> <laughs> it says Kim. It says, it says Kim, Kim Bringer. <laughs> like, wait, sorry. I'm going to need to, you're going to need to, yeah, read that. Oh it says God. what? It says Kim Bringer. <laughs> <laughs> I got to read this. No, Charlie, I got to read this. <laughs> Hello, legs, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Long legs. Kim Bringer, exclamation mark. Wedding dress. Michael Keaton looks weird. All caps. <laughs> Alfred. Okay, I wrote for the. I'm bright red. Oh my god, how embarrassing! My beautiful notes have been exposed. <laughs> wow. So when I watched this movie, I was drunk. Okay, so wow. We're coming clean. Uh, and I wrote these notes, and I didn't. I rewatched the movie since, but because I was like, I need to. But I thought I'd read these notes because they're kind of funny. But I also just don't no, know I where they are at. <laughs> We're good. I don't think they're funny at all. I think they're, they're um, dead yeah, just deadly serious. Kim Bringer wedding dress. Kim Bringer wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> I love I also the hubris of you saying, you know, I actually wrote that down in my notes as well. <laughs> but <laughs> you I pulled did. Out, you really pulled out your own knife there. <laughs> But Michael Keaton does look weird in his neck. I remember that and I back myself. And you're weird. absolutely right to back yourself. In a suit, he looks weird. Do you think so? Yeah. I think he looks beautiful. He's an attractive man, but I think he looks weird I, okay. without his bat suit on. <laughs> Kim Bringer. Kim Bringer. Do you, do you have anything to say about the wedding dress that Kim Basinger's wearing? Um, Kim Bringer? No, it's just weird that he's in a wedding dress and then um, that weird spiky helmet that um, the rubber armor with the gas masks yeah. uh, that Batman has clearly is from like a Juggalo concert. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, it feels like a, it feels like it's directly from a Tim Burton drawing from when he was 14. From his house. Like, yeah, yeah, it might be just from <laughs> his house. Knox and Vicky Vale start insulting Wayne, but then, of course, he's behind them. Wayne and Vicky flirt, then Bruce is called away to go be the bat because they're hearing about the thing that Jack Nicholson is doing over at the chemical plant. Mm-hmm. We cut to an incredible matte painting of the chemical compound that is repeats and is again obviously a wonderful matte painting. Uh, but it, this one I think is swaps between miniature and matte, which I really really love because later he just fully drives into it, which I think is so cool. So cut to the incredible matte painting of the chemical compound that doesn't turn people into the Joker at all. <laughs> the police catch Jack Nicholson trying to steal money from the chemical plant that he owns. He's stealing. Um, <laughs> so. What he's doing I'd love is, you to explain this to me because I have genuinely no idea. He is going there to plant stuff on them and then that will be, it's like industrial espionage that's going to shut down the chemical plant because I think the chemical plant is he going to turn. the chemical plant. It no, is the Napier chemical plant. But the turn, he is Jack Napier. The, tur- the, the plant itself is turning on... Um, like one of the owners is turning on it. He, it's industrial espionage is the thing that the- um, I, lo- I just adore, I want, the, the important thing about this is it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. You do not need to know any of this, but I love that Tim Burton and the writers were like, let's put some like quite of complicated industrial espionage yeah, in so here. it's so complicated. It's so weird. Industrial espionage. And really thrown away. Like it's not like really set up. You yeah. Know, like we're going to understand exactly There's what- There's that it's one just like, conversation. Kind of what we're doing. So, so he's trying to frame himself. 
Yeah, he's trying to frame himself. He gets framed triply. Anyway, then the police show up. A gunfight ensues. Uh, Jack Napier runs away and pulls a bunch of levers so chemicals are going everywhere. That's so cool. I love the computer going crazy as well for no reason. The bat arrives, starts beating up some goons real good, doing Batman stuff. He has batamarangs. That's a bat gadget. It is. There is something in this that the action kind of lacks kineticism in a lot of ways. Because it can't turn his fucking head. It's because Uh, of the bat suit, like, can't move. But it's also, like... Like Burton's framing is so, the lighting is so considered that it's not like, you, you know, the worst version of it now, you know, the J.J. Abrams, like the camera is just like running with everything. And so the action is all a little bit stilted, mm. but it just makes up for it by being stunning to look at. So Jack Napier then shoots the cop, Eckhart then tries to shoot Batman, but he deflects it and it hits his face. So And then he falls into a vat of toxic waste, which is such a good double beat of Batman deflects the bullet. It hits Jack Nicholson in the face. So mm. his face would be fucked up. And then he gets pushed into a vat of toxic waste so his face would be fucked up. <laughs> so it's it's to get the smile is the deflect, I think. And then the rest of it is to make him white. white. Okay. Yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, it all it all tracks. It is a bit of a double beat. And also Batman's like failing to save the Joker in this bit. He has the most weird expression when he tries to pull him up. I actually think it's a really good performance, but it's also quite constipated in the way it looks because he's sure. expressing nothing and it's all in the eyes. Also, this is weird because Batman does not have any issue killing people in this movie. Yeah, I wrote, one of my notes is shoot to kill. I actually wrote that because I was like, this is interesting because it yes. usually mm. doesn't. In both Burton films, is Does not give very a shit about happy, it. which is funny because it became <laughs> such a thing. Obviously, Nolan took that back and was like, Batman doesn't kill people anymore. And then- Except for the bit where he- Kills all those people. Except for the bit where he kills all those people. It also is just like, it is just a thing of if you want to have an action scene, there is going to be people off screen that die. Like, it is just like a thing of like, it is very Mm. hard to film any sort of- Nolan's pretty good at it. Yeah. But the the Nolan bit is the, just because I won't kill you doesn't mean I have to save you. And then jumps out the train just as Liam Neeson crashes to his death. That is the big one where Batman kills someone and he kind of never does it again. In this, Burton's just like, Batman will occasionally be like, I'm not going to, I'm going to save these people. He has some sense of justice, but is also, very much like ah, I don't care if someone dies yeah <laughs> the level to which he tries to save the Joker in this scene is actually way out of character yes. for him I and I'm asking you this question because you're the only one sure. that's going to be able to know is this version of the Joker's origin story in like is this something that has come up or is it slightly very, different this is very broadly inspired by the Killing Joke comic book yes. uh, slash Under the Red Hood uh, backstory uh, yeah 80, uh, Killing Joke's 88 yeah, yeah okay. so this is very this is if not in, no, this is inspired I by. I think it's it. by the Dark Knight Returns. Was the one that was before. The but the Killing Joke is the one that develops the chemical plant Man, and oh, the right. ties Batman has- and ties Batman's like the Joker's origin to Batman knocking him into that uh, of acid. However, the Jack Napier stuff, everything being related to Batman's origin, is completely invented by this film. In that he is a comedian who gets uh, caught up in a has the famous one bad day where he gets caught up in a heist at a chemical plant and Batman fails to save him, which is what drives him absolutely... That's in The Killing Joke. So edgy. That's yeah. The Killing Joke. So this is a little inspired by The Killing Joke, but it is more true to say that it's just kind of Burton making shit up in yeah. terms of what Jack Napier is. Yeah. yeah. 
And yeah, Jack Napier later, when we realised that he formed Batman, was invented by Tim Burton after the script. They, when because, they got Jack? No, because it was while they were shooting during production because the writers were on strike. So um, mm. Sam uh, Ham, the, the, the writer that's yeah. credited, he couldn't do rewrites on it He was because st- he's stuck in L.A. Right. I don't know, he's not stuck in L.A., but he would. They, there was a writer's strike in L.A. An escape from L.A. And so he couldn't escape from L.A. And so he... <laughs> He couldn't confirm it. Like there were, he had no power over the script, so Tim Burton just added the Jack Napier thing in. That's like, interesting. On, during production, because I know they bulked up the Joker role for that. I didn't know the Jack Napier thing. They, was they bulked up the the role for Nicholson. Yeah, definitely. Yes, they also got but, rid of Robin, who was in the original script. Yes, and Robin, yeah, but I think the, the Robin thing was always everyone. Yeah, the Robin Williams thing was uh, they. No one was really enthused about it. That's how Tim Burton describes it. He was like, "Yeah, everyone was like, do we really want this?" This like came down on high, but everyone was like, I don't really want this. So it was there for a little bit, but then disappeared. I mean, a family of acrobats. Yeah. It's the greatest backstory of all time. So great they used it two more times. <laughs> Jack Nicholson then appears. Oh, sorry. I forgot to say that Batman escapes from this scene with a smoke bomb that doesn't cover him at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so good. It's really it's good. so like actually like a little With a bit smoke bomb that real. does nothing and a cape yeah. that only flaps. It's yeah. my favorite. I wrote. Smoke bomb, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> awesome. Wait, you're turning into the Joker again. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, it stops. Like it st- <laughs> Wait, that's it. That's all we got. Was that our last note? No, you got, you got some more. There's some more. Okay. Oh, really Jackie good. boy, Jack Nicholson then <laughs> reappears in the sewers, his hand appearing out of the water. An incredible kind Love of beautiful so shot. Good. Vicky Vale goes on a date with Bruce Wayne. They eat soup at a very long dinner table. Uh, Vicky Vale's like, could you pass the salt? Keaton is so wonderful in mm. this scene as a little boy who's never had anyone over before. He doesn't know how to interact with humans at all. He's, I just think he's so, so good at, at this. So his pitch of the character, I just find it interesting, like, because Bruce Wayne is this, like, you know, attractive um, sure. million, multi-billionaire. Billionaire, yeah. yeah. And just, like, no one's there. He's never had a date before. Is that well, I think like- he's had dates before, but never, like, they've never come to his house. Like, I, I think he's... I don't think he's like a virgin or anything. Oh my God, I mean, we're really, we're really scene, diving into the deep end now. This scene, he kind of plays it like he's a virgin. Yeah, but I think it's just like he's emotionally, it's stunted. Yeah, like he yeah, just yeah, yeah. can't. He just can't relate to people. Yeah. Do other Batmans pitch him more suave? That's the thing. Like, do other Sorry. Bruce Waynes pitch their characters a bit more suave? I mean, George Clooney is the suavest. Yeah, but even um, Christian Bale's more suave than Christian this. Bale is more suave than this. Christian they Bale plays like up the, the playboy. The playboy, and he plays up that Bruce Wayne is a complete act. Yes, yeah. The, the the Batman is the real person, and then Bruce Wayne is the costume. Affleck's, it's the whole point of a fucking... Affleck's quite suave. But he's sad. That's his thing, is what if Batman was sad? <laughs> what if Batman was old? <laughs> What's Robert Pattinson doing? Uh, oh, he, he's, he's doing emo. He's got the great... He's got a very similar thing to Michael Keaton in that like he's like uh, he's a baby boy boy. like he's an idiot savant that's his kind of batman which is really good the only problem with that movie is it's three hours long and you barely get to see robert pattinson be Mm. be bruce wayne in that movie which i think is a failure of that movie he's got a kind of like howard hughes vibe yeah like a young howard hughes thing Mm. where he's like he's locked himself up and everyone's like or willy wonka yeah, sure. I mean, the, the good thing in that movie is from the trailer, but like Bruce Wayne like gets up in the morning, the, Robert Pattinson gets and up in the morning and he's still wearing Batman. the eyeliner. Mm. Like he's still wearing the eyeliner from the night before because he's just always always a bat. The, yeah, Keaton has this wonderful line here where she's like, do you enjoy eating in here? And he's like, 
you want, you want to know something? I don't I, I don't think I've ever been in here before, <laughs> which is so <laughs> that funny. Is funny. Then they have dinner with Alfred. That sounds like a great time, great date, one of the hottest dates you could ever do. Uh, <laughs> well, I really have written one of the hottest dates you could ever do. This is my dream date. Would take goth or cane. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you real quick? Yeah, what's up? Um, when does Batman need glasses as a man that needs glasses? When he's, he has, he has, he's long sighted. You think? Yeah. So he needs it to like read stuff. Yeah. Cause he needs it to like go on the computer. Like he an old uses man. it on the computer and, but he also has it on here for like five minutes. It yeah. Just Cause they're in close quarters, but, and he'll, he'll like do that. I was he, like, very, over his glasses. I was very confused trying to track photos. it. They're looking at old photos of oh. him. So that's why he's got them. Ah, I'm glad I asked. They talk about their lives. They're looking at little photographs, as I said. Um, then oh, we cut to the Joker getting plastic surgery from a German doctor. There, this is this scene looks amazing. You don't see the Joker from the front at all. There is this weird red light through the window. Obviously, Tim Burton is very inspired by 30s German back. expressionism. He is, this in this scene, he is, both him and Jack are so in their bag. Uh, he has this like mirror, mirror on the wall. Um, you know what I'm about to reference. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Last exit from Springfield. What yeah, is that? Where Lisa, the dental plan episode where Lisa goes, is a great moment, is a fully parody this episode where she has Spot to get on. these full on braces and then the German dentist is like, what have I done? And then she's like, Mira, Mira. And then it cracks and she like, oh, and she laughs yeah. maniacally. And it's one of my favorite parodies that Simpsons does. It's so funny. That, yeah. is, so, that is so funny. I've definitely seen that episode. Mira. This is my, like my Simpsons thing is that like, I've seen probably, I don't know, 200 episodes of the Simpsons, but I can never like connect the, the cultural references to when I've watched them later. Yeah. I always am just like, they're just two separate things. <laughs> that was what blew my mind when I watched Citizen Kane. Then the Joker like runs off and into the night. It's very specifically like Nosferatu-y. Like, ah. uh, then Jokey uh, goes to kill old Jack Palance, the real villain's in town, and he's listed above the title. Uh, I've been dead once already. It's very liberating, I think is such a good line. Mm. Uh, he shoots Jack Palance as this incredible circus music plays. And Nicholson, every scene in this is so iconic that it's kind of hard to describe and, and do any justice to it. But, you know, him just like holding the gun behind his back and shooting him through his legs and shooting him 400 times is just... Incredible. I will also say the Joker silhouette is kind of the best the Joker looks this entire movie. Yeah, I mean, it looks so good in the It looks fantastic movie. in this movie. But I know what you mean. Like, it's an incredible, it's mm. an incredible silhouette. It's, uh, it's just one of those amazing performances that no one thought could be beaten. And then here we are. Yeah. And, yeah uh, uh, Basinger, uh, uh, you're, <laughs> you're talking about Jared Leto. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Basinger and Keaton have slept together. We're in the next day, but Keaton can't sleep. Something's off. Something's a little funny he sleeps upside down like a bat well no he starts sleeping there he starts sleeping next to her and then she wakes up later and he has moved and he is hanging upside down in uh richard gears uh get up from american <laughs> gigolo he's he was doing sit-ups and then accidentally fell asleep and he which would be very like dangerous a, if he was not a bat he has a little swing as well which i really like and he's also holding his arms like bat wings yeah it's so fucking crazy also, Michael Keaton's idea. Joker then sees a newspaper article about the Batman. He does not like what he sees. This is maybe my favourite line reading in the movie, where Jack Nicholson goes, wait till they get a load of me. Ooh. Oop. 
ooh, <laughs> he just kind of keeps going. It's so psycho. I think for me, uh, the f- I watched this movie twice as well. I watched Sick. once also getting quite drunk and then the <laughs> second time. You guys are fucking loose. <laughs> I, I, it's a great movie it's to have a beer to. Sure, yeah. Um, oh, I do that tonight. <laughs> the first time I watched it, Joker, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson's performance for me didn't actually kick in until just after this scene. Like for me, it didn't land. And then the second rewatch, it landed for me from start to finish. But the, like a little bit of that, mm, there were points where I was just like, "Mm, too much. But then on the rewatch, what fully fucking worked? It famously <laughs> works quite well, I would say. Like, I think I, I it's a fairly like, beloved performance. It's a pretty good it's one. It's great. It's really great. Look, that's your opinion. It's okay. I also came back to it even hotter after getting all the way through. So the Joker then meets up with all the head criminals in the most fucked up looking human makeup you've mm. ever seen. Basically, goes around to all the crime bosses and yeah. states that he's the big boss in town now. They disagree. He shocks a guy to, to a death whose face turns into a corpse real quick. Nothing I love. I Both me and Tim Burton, I think, share a love for corpse face. <laughs> a real like burnt to shreds because mm. it's in Beetlejuice. There's that guy with the really skinny head and then there's it's this movie and then it's again in Batman mm. Returns. What do we think about this electrocution as opposed to the Pelham on one, two, three electrocution? I mean, this is a better electrocution. Yeah. I think it's thematically less interesting. What if we, what if in Pelham one, two, three, <laughs> he had <laughs> gone full corpse face. Would that be a better sequence? Um, yeah, I mean, yes. yes. Yeah, 100%. I yeah. would love that. Yeah, this, yeah. This, 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 this is a better electrocution scene for yeah. sure. So the Joker sends Bob Tracy Walters, as you said, uh, whose name is Bob the Goon. <laughs> incredible naming of characters this down to follow Knox to find out what information he has about the Batman and then <laughs> Jack Nicholson does this is improvised on the day as a bunch of his shit was does the Jack Palance impression of him being like you're my number one guy really good stuff and also just Jack Nicholson talking to his friend because that is the role that he uh, yes, Tracy was Walters, invented yeah. so that he could have his friend cast in it yeah. which is awesome which is sick and also Bob the Goon one of only five action figures made for this movie really it was that's great Bob the Goon Batman Joker Commissioner Gordon uh, Commissioner Gordon would be a bizarre choice I guess that, like there's not a lot of stuff there's that's not a like, lot of guys in this not one. a lot of guys whereas Batman Returns is yeah. literally chock-a-block full of guys this movie is like yeah it's the Batman and the Joker and then I guess Vicky Vale Knox do you want Knox I would <laughs> Everyone's love going Knox. hot for Knox Basinger is kind of curious about Bruce Wayne for some reason so she follows him I guess because he blew her off yeah and she got ghosted she didn't like it yeah sure so she stalks him ever <laughs> it yep. turns out he's delivering. Sounds an American gigolo as well, you know. Like That's true. The, the ladies That's true. love to stalk. That's true. It was Not only good. if I know anything about ladies. <laughs> they love stalking. It's Gotham. It turns <laughs> out he's delivering flowers to where his parents were killed. Although she doesn't actually know that yet. That's revealed to her later. But of course we know that. Then Wayne goes to see one of the mobsters coming out of City Hall where he's been given all of Jack Palance's... Okay, again, I have to get into like the business stuff. So Wayne goes to see one of the mobsters coming out of City Hall where he's been given all of Jack Palance's businesses now. Question mark. Yeah. Then the clowns arrived. <laughs> mimes. Sorry, they are mimes. Very They're important. not clowns. The mimes are not clowns. They are moving incredibly slowly, moving like weird clowns, I've said, but they are moving like mimes. Weird mimes. Uh, it is incredibly creepy. I love this scene. Nicholson arrives in a nice suit and top hat, and then he kills the monster with a quill. Mm. Here's my question. 
Who's that monster? And what's he What's he up to? What's his deal? Why does he now own all of Jack Palance's businesses? How did that happen? I thought the point of the scene with um, Jack Nicholson and all the, the mobsters was so that everyone knew that he was the boss now. Yeah, and then he ignored Joker and so Joker killed him in the streets. So, okay, so, uh, okay, I guess. So this guy ignored the Joker's kind of warnings and then this is what happened. Yeah. Okay, great. Later, the Joker is watching the reactions to his clown stunt on the news, which is, again, a really cool thing. It's the same thing as like Dennis Hopper in Speed. Speed yeah. Of like a character doing something really crazy and then cutting to him being like watching it on television is really, really good. Mm. Um, everyone is wondering if Batman can save them. The Joker is furious that the Batman is getting all of this press and he says, this town needs an enema. Uh, Michael Goff, cutting back to Batman, tells Bruce mm-hmm. that he should marry Vicky Vale quite soon. But, you know, Falfred says it. He can't handle that right <laughs> <What>? now. But <laughs> That is very soon. It's very like, soon. They had one dinner together. Yeah, they had one dinner. And Alfred Michael Goff is like, lock that shit down. Yeah, I think down. he's just overdoing everything. I think he's like, if, maybe if he gets a partner, she can take some of the load here. You know, yeah. like, honestly, well, I think yeah, he's I think, just Yeah, tired. maybe he's looking for some take help. Some he's of the like, load. please. Yeah. Joker <laughs> is furious that the Batman is getting all of this press. Batman says she is great isn't she to Michael Goff which mm. I really really like uh, Joker also falls in love with Vicky Vale for some reason <laughs> yeah. that happens right now for absolutely no reason it is he's yeah. looking at just like a picture of her and he's like hmm this will be conflict I guess it is <laughs> I. It is by far the weakest aspect of this movie that Joker is horny for Vicky Vale <laughs> yeah. I hate Joker being horny kind of in anything or in any way that is an absolutely fucked up take the Joker should all, the, the Joker, Joker should is not be horny. Horny. He's Joke, super Caesar horny. Romero is the horniest guy in the world. I find I think that I like the Joker as being kind of asexual. I you don't, like everyone being. But a, what about asexual? Harley Quinn and all that storyline? The whole Harley Quinn storyline it is like more about abuse. It doesn't feel like they ever have sex. It, I I don't like horny Joker. You don't you feel don't like the Joker, the Joker and, and Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn ever had sex? sex. They have more sex than anyone. They ever. have more sex than you've ever had in your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I, I think that it works for me just because we it's in line with this character at the start as well with the Jerry Hall stuff with all that oh, kind of stuff. Like it may it does make sense. I understand it's why like, it's, it's not like, nice to watch. Like maybe it's, it's not fun. I, maybe it's because I like the. Well, like you, the, you want your Joker to be a good guy. That's your problem. No, You're like, I, I wish the Joker I want was the Joker cool. To, I wanted the Joker to feel inhuman in their wants and desires. It is very much defined by the Nolan kind of uh, Joker and kind of like some of the Joker in. Um, uh, the animated universe where it's like, you can't really figure out what this guy wants. He seems to be functioning. You can't on his figure own. out what Jack Nicholson wants in this movie. He wants everything and nothing. He's he, like, he wants he's, his face on the dollar bill. He, yeah. He wants his face on the dollar bill, but also he wants to make art. That's very important to mm. him. Also, he wants to be married to Vicky Vale. Those are his like three main yeah. things. They all are conflicting with each other in him at different times. He is full. Ca- he is full chaos. chaos. It's just, I, I don't know. The married to Vicky Vale thing is just so weirdly human and like snipe whiplashy and kind of like lame. I don't, I don't know. Take it's it as the human. jokery. <laughs> I don't take it as like a human thing. Like he wants to find connection with someone in a marriage. I think he's just like, I want everything. He's not excited to do the vows. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not excited for his friends and peers to gather around them as they celebrate their love. <laughs> he's not going to have dinner with Alfred and her, you know, like that's not what he's planning. He's not, <laughs> like, Here's me as a little child. <laughs> 
I think that his one of her is that she just like, he's like childlike in that way where he's like, I want the first thing I see. He sees a picture, he's like, her, that'll yeah, that, do. That's it. That's I want to exactly possess want. everything. It does. It is like convenient plot wise. Oh, yeah. But the idea of strong. the Joker being horny is very much A1, very part of his character. Very yeah, important. Yeah. Also, you cannot hire Jack Nicholson without, without the Joker being, being horny. horny. No, that's that. That <laughs> is like true. cutting off his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he then briefly goes back to the chemical compound. Oh, yeah. This is really important. It is really important, but he's thrown off. So the Joker is making this crazy laughing gas at the chemical Joker compound. Gas. He's, he's making Joker gas. Sorry. And he's having them all shipped off into Gotham. Cut to a newsreel. Two models have died of laughing sickness. The news anchor then dies of laughing sickness. This is a really terrifying scene. This is like actually makes me very uncomfortable still to see like the faces cut out in like that magazine way. Joker takes over the television feed. There's a really terrifying ad for the Joker chemical stuff that is apparently everywhere and in everything. Specifically, we don't know where it is, and yes. it turns out to later be the combination of three different chemicals that set off the laughing gas uh, reaction. You're telling me this for the first time now. <laughs> that That is... Cra- I, I, so I knew it was in three different products, but it's, but it's three different chemicals that when they interact used together, together. Hairspray, talcum powder, and uh, makeup. So which everyone is why they couldn't, the same stuff? They couldn't figure out what was causing it. This is the research that the Detective does, Alfred yeah. does. Yeah, that Alfred ends up doing. Uh, the, greatest, the, the world's greatest detective, Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> it is the mix of the three chemicals, not any of the chemicals individually that cause the reaction. But they don't know wh- which chemicals it is. They don't know why it happens. Why like, is that? Why would the Joker not make it all one chemical? Because it means that no one knows what they need to stop using because they can't. But why if they, not just put it in a bunch of different stuff? Because if it was just in one, they could just stop using that particular product yeah, yeah, and but, be okay, instantly so, detected. So you put one chemical detective. that does all of the, that does the laughing gas, but you put it in makeup, hairspray, and deodorant. Then ever well, then they would still stop using it, but the point was it's only detectable like they only worked out what it did because they combined them all together. That was like it was more hidden by being separated between different things. I'm not saying it makes perfect sense because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's the most impractical way to do that. That's that's bizarre. Be- because it would be hidden. It would be hidden between different things. Because you would, you it's not, none of the, okay. So no, no, you no. That would, that would be much easier to triangulate what the three products are. No, because, that would be much, because you're like, oh, when, the, when this you, person is using these three products, then they die because they die of laughing sickness. Anyone else that doesn't use all three products is only using two of I the think three. The they I, don't die. Therefore, you must need the all three. The idea is that each chemical by itself is not innately dangerous, but it's the combination of the three. That's what I'm saying. You're yeah. not listening to me. No, but but if like, you put ice in that, if you... If you, yeah, you could go, Charlie. No, 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 no. I kind of see what you're saying here. I mean, yes, I agree with you. It's not the most practical plan, but I think it's more like it'll take them a longer time to figure out that it's those three things interacting with each other. Because if you, put- as opposed to just one, if you figure that out, it's like trying to eliminate everything. If- I know you've got like, and it might just be that they think women wear all the same products and it's not particularly interesting like that. Gotham only has one makeup line. You know? Okay. If, I mean, um, I mean, I would allow that logic if the, <laughs> I mean, if, if the movie, but also, again, none of this matters. It's way too complicated. Again, all of this stuff in this is so complicated. I understand. Every single, this was Donnie Darko again for me. I was on board. I was traveling in the Joker's timeline. 
Anyway, Joker, chaos. Billy D and the mayor are stressed about the festival. Lee Wallace is the same as the mayor from Pelham. Did you know that? Lee, Lee, no. So the mayor yeah. from this movie is, is the mayor from Pelham. One, two, three. Jack Nicholson plans to fuck up some art. Jerry Hall has an incredibly cool and fucked up looking mask. That is so terrifying, that little mask that she's wearing. Oh, yeah. So Joker uh, comes in, and Vicky Vale has come to the art museum because she thinks she's being called by Bruce Wayne, but is actually being called by the Joker. Uh, the Joker present, presents Vicky Vale with a gis, gift. It's a gas mask, a really well-designed, cool gas mask. Yeah, it's in cute. This movie is, uh, and gasses everyone around her at the art museum. Then the Joker makes some art. There is a dance sequence with a boombox and some goons throwing paint at stuff. <laughs> this is both the greatest scene in any movie ever made and the dumbest <laughs> movie ever made. The Prince song is really, really good. The The Joker weirdly leaves what looks, I think it's a Francis, Ford, uh, Francis Bacon painting. He's like, I actually don't want to touch that. because yeah, it's all creepy. Because <laughs> it's all creepy and, he's and all fucked up. twisted. Then he meets up with Vicky Vale. The Jokesman likes Vicky's pictures of war. He's like, I think that's actually a really good piece of work. Mm. He says, I am the world's first fully functioning homicidal artist. <laughs> and then Vicky Vale says, what do you want? And he says, my face on the $1 bill. <laughs> so the Joker wants v- Vicky Vale to take pictures of all his crimes and stuff. That's another thing that he wants for it's some new. reason. <laughs> but really what he wants, the reason he's there is he wants to know about the Batman. So uh, after she doesn't give him any of that information and doesn't say yes and doesn't marry him, he then goes to kill her immediately. The Batman shows up, saves her. They get into the Batmobile, which is, in my opinion, a pretty good car. Pretty it's good. It's a car. really good Batmobile. My, my favorite little minor effect in this entire movie is the bit where he like wipes his head, and you see just yes. his regular skin underneath that, uh, like the white skin. Yeah. You know, they they just did that by giving him a little napkin with white paint on it. Yeah. Really, so really it's good. like such a clever little way of getting that effect where it's just but like- They also had to make the makeup underneath really, really strong. Yeah. And so it's like caked on his like quote unquote human, human makeup so that when he wipes something, he doesn't actually wipe it away. It stays on while he wipes white paint on. There's a really cool car chase. Lots of cars pile up. Batman and Vicky run from the car crash. They have to harpoon up to a higher ledge. How much do you weigh? The Batman asks. Uh, she says a hundred and something or whatever. And I, I, I wrote, can you imagine a battered man saying that now? <laughs> saying how much do you weigh to someone? It's just such, yeah. a, such a bizarre yeah. thing. I, I really, really enjoy it. And then I, something about this, it contains both the goofiness of the 60s Batman mm. with the gothic serious grittiness of like the later Batman. And that I think is what really sings for me in both of these movies, in the Burton movies, is that it doesn't go into Nolan-y, we're deadly serious. I, I like those movies fine. I, I like those movies. But it has this like real sense of goofiness and fun to it. Yeah, and it, but it doesn't fall into the Schumacher movies, which you which also is, like. Which I, I like also like, too. but are all goofiness, mm. no no seriousness. I will say though, this is also the moment that has the best um, Batman can't move his chest properly yes. thing. Because there's a bit where he, ha- he looks left, right, and then straight up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is, it is just absolutely delightful. Anyway, Batman then defeats the goons. And he and Vicky drive off back to Bruce Wayne's manor. Hang on. Bruce Wayne is Batman? Batman takes the photo of him that Vicky Vale took. So she takes a photo of him when they're fighting. And then mm-hmm. he takes that off her uh, and gives her proof for the newspaper of what the Joker is doing. Which is a bunch of cleaning products that have laughing gas in them. 
Okay. <laughs> anyway, Jack Nicholson sees that the Batman has cracked the code to his cleaning products riddle and then he shoots a TV and then is so surprised when it blows up. That is such a great Jack Nicholson moment where he pulls out a gun, shoots a TV, and then he's like, oh my God. It is the third time he's destroyed a TV yes. in this movie. He loves to destroy a TV. He just goes through him. Next day, Vicky and Bruce argue because he hurt her feelings and she still hasn't figured it out. Bruce tries to explain his life to her, but before he can tell her, they're interrupted by one Mr. Joker. The Joker and Bruce tete-a-tete. Bruce smashes a pot and says, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like, it is the weirdest cho- uh, choice. In Bizarre choice. Feels improvised. At, both as Keaton and as Bruce Wayne yeah. be like, I need to get this guy to kill me. It's, it's insane that two incredibly iconic lines from this movie come right next to each other and it's that and then the next line is the Joker saying have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight and then the whole point of both that line and then Keaton is like what? (laughs) So good. And we're like, you know, you know, when we write together, we try and avoid that exact joke because it's been used so much. But God, is it just so funny every time. It's really funny, but it's also uh, Jack Nicholson follows that up with, it's just something I tell all my prey. Yeah. It sounds cool. And then it's like, no, you don't. You've killed so (laughs) many people. So many people. You've killed like 14 people on screen (laughs) up to this point and you've not said a word about moons. So Joker shoots Bruce and he thinks he's, that he's dead and then he leaves. <laughs> I wrote, what was his plan in the first place? Why was he there? <laughs> it is so, that that is this entire sequence is the most like writer strike uh, yeah. scene of the movie. We're just fucking playing, man. We're having yeah. fun. It is a poem. Dance of the Devil of Pale Moonlight, I think is a poem that uh, Burton wrote underneath the early drawing of the Joker. This Great. entire sequence is predicated on Michael Keaton doing like a full Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross level of performance, trying Incredible. to reveal that he's Batman. And then his next plan is, Clearly, I just need to get shot to get out of the situation <laughs> yes. and completely abandon Vicky Vale because cl- there is no danger to her. Back at the journalism office, Knox and Vale talk more about the story. They discovered that Bruce's parents were murdered, which I guess would make sense because most people hadn't read comic books before that. So that's not just like the most common knowledge in the world. I guess that's revealing something. Later, the Joker is on TV again. He wants the festival to start. He's going to dump $20 million in cash at the festival. And most importantly, he wants to fight the Batman. This sequence happens on a news report where you've got Joker on one little TV and then you've got the mayor on the other TV as he announces this. The mayor delivers all the lines to the other TV, even though they're coming from two completely different projections. Yes, yes, yes. It is It is so funny that the mayor is talking to the Joker on another TV next to him as if they're in the Brady Bunch, yeah. despite the, op- the opening of the Brady Bunch, despite them being in completely different places. And then the Joker pushes the mayor off the other TV screen by pushing the other TV screen over. Yeah. Which is so cool. It doesn't make any sense. And it's one of the funnest little visual gags in the movie that I didn't notice on the second watch. And then noticed on the, uh, like the second watch and was like, Wait, what the hell? We then get a flashback to Bruce's parents' death where we realise the guy who shot his parents was actually Jack Napier, the jokesman himself. 
What a bizarre addition. I actually think it's so unnecessary. It's not from like a canon sense that I'm annoyed at it, but it's a, we're in an hour hour and a half into this movie, uh, like we're making this personal for no reason sense. Uh, So the Jack Nicholson lookalike, they got, um, I think he looks great. I'm like by him. Yeah, I agree. More as the Joker than as Jack Nicholson, but he looks right. Looks fantastic. Um, His name is Hugo Blick. He works as a director and producer, but mostly in British TV. Oh, good for him. Passenger then comes to Bruce to try and convince him to love her. He would love to, love her but he can't while the jokesman is still out there making his goddamn jokes he breaks into the chemical compound with the batmobile and blows it up so yeah he blows up the beautiful matte paintings and miniatures mm. that make up the chemical compound then the festival starts there is a huge terrifying clown balloons that parade through gotham city while prince plays and the joker dances and his goons throw out cash into the street to adoring gothamites And the Batman flies in on his Batwing. The Joker gasses the city. The balloons let out laughing gas. Knox and Vicky Vale escape in Knox's car. Batman comes down in his Batwing and pulls the balloons away. (laughs) Jack Nicholson again. My balloons. Those are... (laughs) My balloons. It's just so, so good. The Joker pulls out a huge pistol (laughs) to get the Batwing down. That is so awesome. That is, I imagine that's a Tim Burton thing. Feels like a really, really long gun. Just a, what if there was a gun that was really, really long that could, is actually an anti air missile? What's really funny about it is that in the next scene, you see him collapse it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's extendable. It's an extendable yeah, it's like a clown-esque kind anti-air. Of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's extendable, but it just because he can extend it, it makes it a tank missile. That's right. The Batwing then crashes, but the Bat gets out alive. He chases the jokesman into a clock tower where he's kidnapped Vicky Vale and has quote unquote plans to escape. <laughs> so he calls for the helicopter to pick him up at the top of this uh, bell tower when he's going up. Great. That's a very specific moment. However, when he gets to the top of the tower, the helicopter hasn't arrived. However, for some reason, when Batman gets to the top of the bell tower to start fighting him, there's 18 goons already there. It's crazy that there's goons up there. It's so weird. It doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Where else they be? Because I was like, oh, the helicopter's already there. No, the helicopter arrives like five to ten minutes later, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. he just produced goon. Yeah, he produced goon. <laughs> Is this the first... And I mean, obviously it's the first time because it's the first Batman movie. Um, but is this the only time we see the Batwing in the movies? No, we no, see it in a, Dark Knight Rises. There's a few Batwings okay. around. I, I'm sadly corrected. There's a lot of Batwing to go around. Yeah, there's a bit of Batwing going. Bat- oh, this also is the this, best this, Batwing. I think there's maybe the most Batwing of all time in the Schumacher ones. <laughs> like he loves, he loves the Batwing. That, Batwing. that shit's flying around all the time. A lot of wing. <laughs> I love the Batwing as well. Yeah, I fucking adore the Batwing. The Batwing would love way, a ride in the wing. It's way cooler than the Batmobile. No, you take that back. The Batmobile in so in Batman Returns. I just, really, yeah. I or yeah, the Batwing. A Batmobile is just a car. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah, car. <laughs> that's cool though. Yeah, but Batwing. The Batwing's cool. a, a a jet that looks like a bat, which is cake. You know that bit where it goes against the moon? Yeah, that. I mean, that is one of the most iconic images. My favorite bit of the movie. The last forty years of cinema. Yeah, Yeah. it rules. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's not as wild a take as I thought it might have been. As the batsman is running up the bell tower, the Joker drops the bell down the bell tower, destroying the stairs. Uh, but the Batman. Uh, manages to climb them up anyway. Batman gets up there and the Joker says, it can be truly said that I have a bat in my belfry. <laughs> really fun. Uh, I've also written the Joker has more goddamn goons up in the bell tower. How did they get there? Yeah, where did the karate guy come from? <laughs> I love the karate guy. <laughs> 
something we gotta bring back. There needs to random be more karate. random karate. Guys. I mean, that's what John Wick is really good for. Is it always True. has at least one great karate guy? Yeah, I mean, the kind of whole movie, the selection of movies from it's a bunch from of goons and then a one great karate. Yeah, then one karate one guy. One to six. I feel like like everyone in four is a good karate guy. That's kind of everyone's deal in well, four. No, there's the rich guy, and then there's Donnie Yen. And like Donnie Yen is the great karate guy in But then there's, there's there's the Japanese guy who owns the hotel, the Continental. He's a there. samurai guy. That's true. Okay, yeah, he's not a karate guy. You're okay, right. but the karate guy in this one was good. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. He's good. Okay. Uh, so the Joker is force dancing with Vicky Vale. Batman fights off the goons. He really does get the shit beat out of him, which I like in this scene. Uh, yeah. His weakness a is a big guy. Yeah. He gets the shit beat out of him quite a bit in this Yeah, he's yeah. not. Super effective. No. <laughs> he just, I, I don't mind that. I like it a lot. His special superpower is that he wears body armor and has good comic timing. Like that, mm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is his- uh, And a, a decent point. grip. He's yeah. just rich. <laughs> and he's rich. Vicky Vale sees that Batman has won and then tries to seduce the jokesman, pretends to go down on him yeah. and then Batman punches him. I, I, I love- Excuse me. I love, I think it's very important for the Joker character that he is really not very good at fighting. The bit where he puts glasses on and says, you wouldn't kill a guy wearing glasses, would you? (laughs) Is so iconic. So he punches him. They think the Jokesman's been pushed off the building, punched off the building, but he's on a ledge. Swings up, pulls Batman and Vicky down. Uh oh, it looks like the Joker's about to escape on a helicopter, but Batman ties him to a gargoyle statue, statue using a batarang, and the Jokesman falls to his doom. Batman and Vicky fall as well, but Batman saves them again with another hook, a bat gadget, if you will. Yep. Mm. They swing romantically in the moonlight. There is an incredible spinning vertical shot, which is the same shot from No Country for Old Men on <laughs> Anton Chigurh. The only thing I think of, like what we've seen recently, that has that exact shot of the Joker with the weird laugh where it's like, ah, 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 Yeah, that ah, is a which great is so fucking sequence. Scary. And it's so unexplained. Yeah, completely. I always thought it was going to be something like in his, like a little Well, they do up pick something thing. up that, and we then they don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. The good guys have won. Billy D. Williams announces that Gotham has earned a rest from crime. <laughs> it's not how crime works. Mm. Uh, they make the bat signal. Michael Goff picks up bat- Basinger. He thinks champagne would be in order. They drive off and we see Batman looking over the city. Batman 89. Guys. Good stuff. What do we reckon? Good. Good. Good movie. It's fun. Where in the Batmans does it rank for you? That is a long difficult question. So uh, I think it is below Returns and Begins and Dark Knight. And then I think I would put this and then I would put Batman Forever. Rogue choice. I love Batman Forever. I fucking love Batman Forever so much. Then I would put Rises? Oh, wait. Mask of the Phantasm is higher as well. Yeah. Uh, if that counts. Matt Reeves is Batman. It's not a movie I like. It's not bad. I just mm. It's too long and I don't really I like didn't it. watch it. So. Yeah. It's very it's very long. It's good. Co- it's not. Yeah, uh, it's good. So your number's fourth? Yeah, I think this is fourth for me. I think th- this is fifth for me. Cool. Yeah, it's fourth for me too. And I've got the same. I actually put Batman Returns as my favorite Batman movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah I think it's Yeah, and then I've got- I think it's my favorite. And too. then Dark Knight and then Batman Begins and then this, I think. That's yeah. my order. Dark Knight, uh, Batman Begins, Lego Batman. Oh, I forgot Lego Batman. Yeah, that'd be above. So maybe it is fifth. Lego Batman's really good. I haven't good. seen Lego Batman. Might really good. Um, Dark Knight Rises, I have a real soft spot. So but what about Begins? You have a real soft I spot? I did say Begins. Oh, when's, where's Begins? Two. Wait, you go Dark Knight, then Begins? I think so. Although you could, first two you could switch that any day of the week. 
Right. So Burton's not making the top. Well, I told you, I haven't seen two. Oh. No, you said you had seen Returns. Oh, yeah, but I didn't finish it as a kid. I got too spooked. Oh, you got too spooked. I really want to rewatch it, actually. I probably watch it. That movie's really good. Yeah. That movie's crazy. That feels like it feels like weird outsider art. It's really fucking weird. Is there a moment in this movie, and forgive me if we went over it, where someone checks Batman's wallet? Yeah. (laughs) Because that. There's a bit it's where it's so funny. It's like he's a past out. It's clearly Batman. So I was like, "Who's this guy?" It's during the Vicky Vale fight. It's yeah. after he shot her up, and then Bob uh, Bob the Goon, who's I think my favorite character, Tracy uh, Walters, uh, goes. Uh, they're like, "Who is this guy?" And then he goes, "Check his wallet." It's clearly and, Batman. And that's the point where Vicky Vale snap uh, saves him with a little photograph. Yeah, I don't know why that made me crack up for some reason. They were <laughs> just like, really "Who is this guy?" <laughs> just. In a bat suit. I think they're looking for his like ID, like to see who he is underneath. Yeah, 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 yeah. they are. But just the way it's delivered makes <laughs> What's it. What's his pockets in that situation? Yeah, he doesn't have his ID on him. To be fair belt? though, in the taking of Pelham, they did have their IDs Which on. Which is them. really funny. <laughs> they do have their IDs on them. But I don't know why. It just made me laugh for two reasons. Mm. First of all, if it was that easy, Bruce Wayne just brought his driver's license with him to the crime. <laughs> well, bite. what if a cop pulls him over while he's riding, driving oh, the Batman? Oh, he do. just turns on the shell thing until he goes away. <laughs> That shell thing is also the funniest power to me. Oh, I think it's I love it. And then they use it against him in Batman Returns because they get a machine that can undo the whole thing, and then they t- put a H bomb in in the bat in the Batmobile. <laughs> I love the point in cinema where nukes were just anything. Yeah, just anything. Ah, yeah, Penguin can have a nuke. Yeah, <laughs> that checks out. Who is MVP for you guys? Um, that's such a good question. Tracy Walters is a really good pick. I think I'm going to go Jack Palance, I think is my, I think Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. (laughs) I thought about it. (laughs) I think he's really good. (laughs) No, Jack Palance, like he's such a, I mean, you know, this is a very big part of the pod of like, you know, there's something of just about what if there's an old guy with a lot of gravitas really does stuff for me uh, who you've seen in a bunch of shit and you're like, that's that guy. And that's really good for me. It's not just the gravitas. It's the weirdness that yeah, he's bringing. Jack Pounce is specifically a very weird one. It's not a normal performance in the slightest. Um, Who's your MVP? Bob Kane. Uh, no, Bob Kane. That's a creator of Batman. Um, <laughs> the real MVP. Tracy Walters, Bob the Goon. No, no, no. Oh. Bob, I, I would say Bob the Goon, but I actually think it's um, our man who- Knox. Knox, yeah. Who plays Knox? Robert Wall. Robert Wall. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, yeah. Sure. Is he too big? Yeah. But too I, much I'm of like, the man? No, I, yeah, he's just, can't, he's like the fourth lead of the movie, I would say. Okay, then, no, I want to stand by it. He, yeah, sure. He sh- I really, really enjoyed him. He is great. I'm going to go, I've got two, so- I'm going to say Danny Elfman. I just really love the score. The, the score yeah, it's thing. incredible. It's really great. But I'm also going to go with the actress who is the TV anchor who then starts laughing and gets the- She's she smashes, great. She smashes that. That's a really good that's yeah, a great. Oh, I think that she's my MVP. That's a day on set that she nailed. She yeah. freaking nailed that. And it's creepy and it's good and it's a wild performance. And I, yeah, that's, I'm going to go with that. Great nice, choice. Great I pick. wish I knew her name because the point of this podcast is we should know who these people are. <laughs> Sometimes when uh, it's really far down the list, I don't have yeah. time to look it up. Yeah. Uh, there's a great uh, thing from Danny Elfman where he was playing, like, that he, Tim Burton really wanted Danny Elfman and they, started working on stuff but really bitty stuff and then the producer comes in and is like listening to all of these like really small little sections mm. of the movie and the producer's like this is shit like, like getting prints on like, the phone who, like yeah getting well getting other composers on the phone and then tim burton like grabs danny elfman and he's like play him the march 
which is like the theme. And then Danny Elfman kind of like half improvs, like has like, you know, a couple bars written yeah. and then just like improvs the rest. And then the producer starts like dancing on the spot, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really I love Danny Elfman's one of my favorite composers ever. And yeah. I think obviously just because, mostly just because of my Tim Burton phase in high school. But, um, sure, yeah, you yeah. know, Nightmare Before Christmas, all that kind of stuff is fucking great. He, has, he just hasn't The done Simpsons, for God's sake. Incredible. Incredible opening thing. He just hasn't done anything for a little while. Yeah, I'm sure it's worth. He did the Wednesday series. He oh, just did that. So that did I mean, that's obviously it? also. Yeah, I watched it. You watched it. What did you think? Um, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't great. It's wasn't very great. Like, yeah, mm. I, uh, he, I think honestly, oh. the whole thing hinged on how good she was at acting, and she was fucking killed it. Jenna Ortega is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, so let's talk about a segment that I've been kind of wanting to do since the start, but it's just a real quick opportunity for us to talk about. Anything else we're watching, anything else that's good, like just a, like a drive-by recommend. Yeah, um, I mean, I've got I've got a lot of stuff, but I would really, really, really recommend coming out. It came out recently and it's probably going to be available on VOD at some point in Australia in the next couple of weeks, but How to Blow Up a Pipeline mm. um, I think yes. is so, so fucking good. It is uh, the what if uh, environmental activism was Ocean's Eleven. It's not a perfect movie. It's quite flawed. Um, the performances are good, but nothing kind of truly transcendent. The script has a, a few little problems here and there, but it is so much fun. Mine's not film, unfortunately, but the biggest surprise of my entire life was the live-action version of One Piece and the fact that it was actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I've been genuinely taken aback by it. It's How far are you in now? Finished it. Oh, you finished So that's the first series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, right. uh, they've got greenlit for a se- second season. It's been a huge success. People are really liking it, which is crazy because uh, we're talking about gatekeeping fans mm. uh, of yeah. something and like p- pretty much no one's worse. O- other than video games, it goes like in order of like toxic fan bases. Mm. It's like video games, anime, comic books, yeah. I think. Is and yeah, the supporting cast fans, of and course. They're probably number one. <laughs> the rabid <laughs> Yeah, fans. but we want to keep them toxic. That's, yeah, a, yeah, that's, that's right. We, we really want to We really want to get them riled up. We and stoke those fires. But nothing annoys anime fans more than Hollywood trying to adapt to live action and not doing a good job of it. And mm. One Piece is one of the ones that when I watched it, I when I heard it, they Netflix were going to do it, have had a terrible track record of anime live actions, I was like, Boo, this is going to be terrible. Yeah, and, and the trailer didn't look great. And, like, stylistically, I was like, this is going to be rough, but they actually lent into the silliness of it, it's, and it was fantastic. I liked it a lot. It's not perfect. It's – and if you you need to be on board, but the yeah. whole cast are on board, which is what's fun about it, and you can tell how much love went into it, and it's a, just a good bit of dumb fun. And I And they pulled off things I didn't think was possible in terms of adapting that. So good for you, One Piece Netflix. I'll be watching season two. Mine is – um, little movie called Skinamarink. Fucking what a I we watched that what three weeks ago now? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago now. That movie was made for sixteen thousand dollars in a guy's family house, and is still the scariest movie I've seen, maybe in my life. Uh, it's my movie of the year thus far, even though it came out last year technically. No, no, no. Well, I mean, it was it was released this year. It yeah, was released. Yeah. Was it scarier than Batman Returns? Um, <laughs> I. I <laughs> I wouldn't have finished either of them if Lincoln wasn't there. <laughs> I'll put it uh, that way. Yeah, Skinner Rink is kind of, uh, I mean, we watched it literally in the same room. Uh, we watch a fair amount of horror movies uh, together. There is nothing that has made us grip each other and like a, you know, last moments in a film that has like, we were literally shouting no at the screen mm. more than that. It was like yeah. really fucking terrifying. Yeah, If you want to watch a movie that is mostly uh, footage of walls and bad film grain and yet become terrified at a window, 
I really can't recommend any other movie, to be honest. <laughs> There's nothing quite like it. Wow. It's also like, it's such, a, it, it's such a movie that you do have to like watch it at home in the dark. Lights off. Like the screen can be any size. Like you, the small, maybe a small screen is actually useful mm. here. Watch or it with a, a friend. Or quality. Um, and watch it with someone. Yeah. Watch, watch it, it with, with someone. someone I think that was a great, boon, a great boon for us of like watching it together because, you I know, it's a hundred and, you know, a hundred minutes long and mm. it's a slow movie where you look at walls for a little bit. Uh, a but, lot. but oh God, it's Oof. just one of the most scary things I've ever seen in my life. I think about it. We've, we've talked a lot about it in mm. the past couple of weeks. We, we really, it is, I think about it daily. daily. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How often did you think about the Roman Empire though? <laughs> Sorry. Are we just doing all the hot button issues? Of let's let's do a couple TikTok trends. Uh, once a um, I, um, yeah, once a fortnight, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Nigel Phelps, it's going to be really exciting next week. We are doing Judge Dredd, which is his first production designer credit. Uh, and we're going to be working our way through into some really exciting decades, you know, of action cinema, which yeah. is so mm. fun. So we're really excited to do someone also production designer. It's just a bit, bit different. You know, different. Uh, viewing films. We're throwing, it, we're throwing it around. Yeah, v- yeah. viewing through uh, films through a like very visual and kind of tactile mm. kind of way that we, we, yeah. we, we like this is, yeah, we're not necessarily experts in at all, but no. uh, like just, you know, we're enthusiasts so rather we're than. Barely experts in anything. Yeah, we're not experts in anything. We're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there, I mean, I, none of us have seen Judge Dredd, no, right? Have you, have you seen what no. Judge Dredd looks like? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. Right, looks right, right. great. I'm looks, excited. I think that's Sick. another movie that had Armani working on it, if I remember really? correctly. Really? I mean, we'll find yeah. out. So many, we'll, it's so, all, many so many connections. So many connections. So many connections. Just before we sign out, better or worse than Holes? Can't go on without. This movie is better than it's Holes. It's better than Holes. Worse than. Wow. Just a little. I yeah, think, okay. If, I think number two would this be better. This is not something that I would ever, like, when I watched it, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, I and I, I talked to you and I was like, Ah, oh, I didn't love that movie as much as I thought it was. I thought it was a bit kind of loosey-goosey and I didn't really kind of like vibe with it. Mm. And the second time I watched it, I enjoyed it a lot more and that kind of pushed, pushed it into post-holes territory for yeah. me. I loved it the first watch and then I was a little cooler on it the second watch but still really liked it. Yeah. But I think it was just, it was literally just pink and then holes was just a little bit higher. There you go. I think to me, I just liked the production design and the aesthetic of it more than anything. Incredible. And some of the performances. But I think as a whole, the film's not outstanding like mm. there's definitely problems with this film it's not like a yeah well, it's kind of like cobbled together in yeah. a way which is really interesting but it's, it's kind of fun. the third the third act it was like that bell tower stuff is like kind Weird. of rushed I'm, and written I'm pretty like, on I'm, the fly i read a quote that tim burton doesn't think it's a very good movie like he, he, he doesn't I, like I, I think he was just like he said it was more of a cultural phenomenon than a great film and he much right. prefers his second one and i prefer the second one too mm. and he's right i gotta watch it if you like this content you can follow us at supporting cast on all of uh the different social medias uh, give us a like and subscribe leave a comment if you'd have a differing opinion to us, which is probably quite likely. Uh, we love to debate. And um, until next time, excited for some Judge Dread. Thank you, Seamus. Thank you, Lincoln. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. See you next Bye. time. Bye.